Hey friends, what's up? Justin Lovato here. I'm checking in with all of you. I know many of you guys have been reaching out, wondering when the next Nirvana Mind and Body podcast will be dropping. So I just wanted to touch base. Right now, Sean McDevitt, my good friend and co-host, is out on baby leave. Him and his beautiful wife, Dayla, just had a brand new baby boy, and they are handling business. So until then, I wanted to actually share a, a podcast that I was very, very fortunate enough to be on. I was a guest on Mark Bell's Power Project. This was lots of fun. Uh, these guys were uh, really kind enough to fly me out. They let me uh, put them through a breath work and meditation, a sound bath as well before the podcast, which I think really set the tone um, for the entire interview. It was just lots of fun. I was on Mark Bell's Power Project four years prior of this previous one, and so much has changed. So I invite you all to uh, check out this podcast, give it a listen. I'll put the link below and then just stay tuned. I know Sean will be back here very soon and we'll have some more Nirvana Mind and Body podcast out and ready for all of you. So have an amazing day, guys. Trying to find cool pictures for us or something? He wanted to see what I looked like when I was big. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and find it. Take take a moment. It's way down there, though. Yeah. Back in the day. Oh, it's on your IG feed? Yeah. Okay, Okay, I'll just keep scrolling then. I don't have any we want to be able to pull this up on screen so people can see the freak. You're still freakish right now, but 295. Yeah, and I only sort of remember. Yeah, I was, I was, the heaviest was uh, 298. Damn, why didn't you go for the 300, bro? I tried. Mm. I couldn't get there. <laughs> I was trying. I was <laughs> just a couple cheeseburgers <laughs> away, bro. I I was like maxed out. I was like I couldn't do anymore. I was eating I think like 8,000 calories a day. I was trying to like shit. get up there, and it was awful. I felt like shit. Let me just Google. Wow. Yeah, I was about to ask how much you're eating. I uh, well, I did one year where I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's um, see what it's about. And um, I was like, everybody was telling me you got to eat more, and I was like, fine, I'll do it for one year. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I made a point to like eat like seven or eight thousand calories a day for a year, and it was the worst. My whole waist sucked. Oh, there we go. Everything got blew some up. pictures here. Oh my god, that's when I was twenty six years old. Jesus Christ. So this was like in prep, Shit. I'm assuming, because you look this like is, you're this really is when I ju- This is when I did just got on uh, probably for a year. So mm-hmm. I was on for maybe a year at this picture. Whoa. Look at that how, fucking blue steel face. What do you think happened? Uh, how much did you go when you, you first hopped on from 25 to 26? How much muscle did you gain? You know, it was, it was, I probably went from like two, because I was like 240-ish probably before I hopped on. And then I got up to like 255 to 260 relatively quick. And, um, you know, definitely I I was big and I I grew in some areas. But, I mean, that's when I won the Ferrigno. I was 255 on stage there. Whoa. Holy shit. That's a pretty damn prominent uh, uh, contest, too. Yeah, I won that one. Yeah, look, you look, well, shit, it looks like you won. You look amazing. (laughs) My backside was still a little soft. I didn't know how to like bring in my backside still it was kind of fun like lats and stuff my butt your butt i mean boots. it was good but you know it's one thing I it's didn't... hard when you got junk in the trunk yeah that's you know? true. <laughs> true. well i couldn't for whatever reason i i was like really great at connecting to the front of my body but i didn't learn how to train back until like years until like almost like like four or five years ago when i was like done competing mm. i really found like the connection with back and the mechanics with my back training and it's my favorite i train it all the time now it's like my favorite thing i think my back would look way better now if i were to prep for a show mm. when you say your back you mean your back my or you mean your back glu- okay 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 and my glutes as well I think I just didn't do all the like the little stuff that a lot of these other bodybuilders were doing for glutes, like these intricate glute workouts. See, you could see smooth, completely different from the front. Mm. 
still huge, but yeah, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, completely different from the front. Yeah. Did you start lifting pretty young? Yeah, I started training at a really young age. So um, it was funny. So I, I had um, just met my real dad for the first time when I was like 14 years old. So I had a stepdad from like two years old on. And me and my stepdad didn't get along at all. And uh, so I met my real dad for the first time. And then I got into it with my real dad or my stepdad. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to go live with my real dad who I don't even know. Mm -hmm. And he was like down in Florida. And so I moved from New York to Florida at age 14. And I was heavy into uh, basketball and baseball at the time. And the coaches down there were weight training with their with their uh, athletes. So I was uh, training basketball an hour a day and weightlifting no mirrors. It was just all like, you know, like powerlifting stuff, benching stuff, squat stuff. And uh, I never stepped on a scale, never thought to, never thought to look in a mirror. And when I came back home after like three months, I went from 135 pounds to like 187 pounds. Mm. So as a sophomore in high school, I was like Yo. 190 walking around and I was jacked. <laughs> and so then the wrestling coach grabbed me. He's like, hey, come wrestle with us. And I'm like, okay. So then I kept weight training. So I, I mean, by the time I finished high school, I was wrestling at 217 and uh and then yeah i just kept training after that and for a long time everyone asked if i competed i said no because i never saw myself putting on trunks and getting on stage mm -hmm. just never saw the calling of it but everybody kept asking if i competed and then at age 20 i finally uh, decided to do a show and uh, i won all my natural bodybuilding shows and then i became pro natural in the imbf in the nga at the time mm -hmm. and uh, and then i obviously was i was watching videos of like jay cutler and ronnie coleman when i was younger and um, I wanted competition. I was like, I want to go against some of the biggest, best guys in the world. And so uh, at age 25, I drove to California. But I never even heard of the Gold's Gym or the Mecca <clears throat> or any of those things. And I was actually training out of North Hollywood. And um, they brought me over to uh, Gold's Venice to come check it out. And I was like, oh, okay, this is my spot. This mm. is right here. So I got in there and started training and then did my first NPC show, NPC show like a few months later, which was the Excalibur at the time. And at the time, bodybuilding was so much bigger back then. I think there usually would be like 25, 30 guys in a heavyweight class. And now, mm. there's, now there's one or two when you would show up. So, yeah. um, And I took third my first show, and I was really excited about that. And then uh, won my following show, which I think was the California. And then I went to the USAs and got destroyed which is pretty normal, I think, for most people. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I did a few more shows after that. Did the Frigno, did the L.A., um, but yeah, I, I kind of like didn't really care about the actual uh, competition part for bodybuilding. I loved the discipline of the bodybuilding. I loved uh, prepping. I loved all that kind of stuff. But I personally didn't really care for put the dream tan on. I didn't want to go do the day of the show. I was like, <clears throat> so my last time I really competed, or second to last time, I remember I went and I was, I think I was like first callouts or center callouts or something like that. And then I came home for uh, after prejudging, and I just like ah, I'm not going back. Mm. And I even called up the promoter. I'm like, hey, I'm not going back, just so you know. And he's like, all right, that makes sense. I'm like, all right, cool. And that was it. That was mm -hmm. like the last time I kind of did bodybuilding. Done, done at that done. point. Well, yeah, I think it, I came back like three years and just did mm. the Ferrigno for fun because Louis, okay. was, Louis was my friend and he's like, you should come do the show. And I'm like, mm. all right. And it was like the best show I ever showed up as. Mm. I think it's because I didn't care really. I didn't put too yeah. much pressure on myself. You mentioned that nowadays you fast. Did you think, do you think that a, do you think a high level bodybuilder could utilize some intermittent fasting in some way? I do, actually. It's funny. I think I would approach the the game completely different. I mean, obviously, you don't know how they're going to reward your look, you know, because it seems like they like that mass, that mass monster stuff. But I think what I always wanted to look like was more of that, that 80s physique, that aesthetics physique. And I think for sure I would eat way less food, I think, 
um, more quality over the amount, quantity. And I, I would actually fast quite a bit to keep my waist nice and small. I mean, right now, like I said, I, I really don't try to be big and um, I eat pretty minimally and I'm able to hold on to this size. So if I were to just eat a little bit more um, and train probably a little bit harder and make it about bodybuilding, I could probably put some good size on and, and look really good, I think, and, and probably sit around like 240, 245 again if I wanted to without consuming all that food and oh, you look amazing as it is <laughs> yeah appreciate yeah. it thanks you're 235 and you mentioned that you came off stuff years years ago like what what was that experience like was that uh it was actually not was that bad. tough like no so i i'm a i'm a big mental person you know so first i think i accidentally did did it a really great way so at age 30 i got off like all the heavier stuff so from like 26 to 30 i was trying to be a big bodybuilder and then at 30 i was like i'm, I'm pretty much done with this stuff because i didn't think it was safe uh or healthy so i uh i just got on trt and i was doing the the one cc a week with trt for quite a while and then it got to the point where i just hated putting a needle in me i just could not stand it so it would end up being like i would do a shot and then like two weeks would go by and i was like oh i probably should do one and I would do one, and then like another two weeks ago, I probably should do one, and then I do one. And then I was like, why don't I do half a cc? So for like three years before I even got off, I was doing half a mm. cc every 10 days. And then again, I went to like every two weeks, and I was like, do I even need to be fucking taking this? Mm. And so I just like, just stopped taking it. I just stopped taking it, and uh, that's how I got off. And I, and I also was getting into meditation during the same time, which was around the same time three or four years ago. And so I, I really got into the, the Joe Dispenza book about how you can like tell your body what to do and the same thing with Wim Hof. And so I would just tell my body to create testosterone. I don't know if it worked, but I feel great. And <laughs> yeah, you said I, you've never gotten blood work done. Yeah, I never got blood work done. Yeah, yeah, I've never had blood work done. My libido's great. I feel good. I feel like I've actually reversed time in a lot of ways. I feel like I look younger than I did before. Um, and so I do meditate on that a lot. I meditate on telling my body to produce natural testosterone and... And, and raise it and all those type of things and create it with all You're that like, type of stuff. Be jacked. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people actually ask, how was it coming off? I think one of the big components that most people do, they first of all, they don't want to come off when they come off. And that's a big difference. I wanted to come off. I wanted to come off. I wanted to like focus on my health. I wanted to focus on uh, doing things in a, in a more loving way towards myself. So um, You're the first guy I think we've ever had on the show. Yeah, that, that like has wanted to come off when they've yeah. gone on. Yeah. yeah, and I think the maybe the first person that we've had on the show that like has just made a clean break from it. Period. Yeah. yeah. Can you think of anybody? Um, uh, gorilla chemist? Did he? Well, no, he's he was off for having a baby though. Yeah, <laughs> that's different. That's actually one of the reasons also why I started to come off is because at the time when I was with Steph, we were talking about that, and I remember that's the main reason why I came off, which is really exciting. You know, I was like, oh, I want to come off, and mm -hmm. I really wanted to come off. And I know that a lot of people, when they come off, one, they don't want to. Two, when they come off, they actually start training less and they start eating worse. And I did the opposite. I was like, oh, well, I want to come off. I'm going to train even harder and I'm mm -hmm. going to eat even cleaner. So I think that was a huge, huge thing for me. And that's what I tell people all the time. And then on top of that, the, the meditation aspect, I think, was a huge thing. The placebo effect of everything it really yeah. definitely works. There yeah. was that old school bodybuilder. Um, God, like I'll look his name up, but I think he said he came off of everything, and people were claiming he's on TRT, but he's said mm. he's not. Mm. Uh, he he never got his pro card. He was fucking huge though. John Anderson? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the, the Canadian one. 
You know who I'm talking about, right? Cap, Beard, Canada, had a, went to a porn expo with... No. No. no not no, part no, low. No, no he's, part he's definitely... <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I don't think I know any of these people. <laughs> it's okay. So what, what in the world did you just take us through? You took us through like another dimension. Speaking of other dimensions, let's uh, hit up this mind oh, yes. bullet here. Oh, yeah. Give a little cheers. cheers. Thank you. I drank mine, but yeah. Cheers. 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 I just went to another planet, so I'm good. <laughs> right. Oh. Hey, oh, nice shot. The ah, defense all around, too. Yeah. I was like hitting the rim and going around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here we go. Some Kratom down the old hatch. So who makes these? I do. You make mm-hmm. these. Mm-hmm. He, he grinds them up and got my <laughs> Kratom farm out in Dixon, California. I think I do need to chase it, though. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do yeah. need to chase yeah, it. It's just like dirt and grass. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. It's a very, that's another way of uh, earthing, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, how'd you get into some of this weird meditation stuff? Dave this Palumbo. is not really typical. In Palumbo. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off or interrupt, yeah. but that, no. he said he came off of everything. Dave Palumbo. I can't believe it. I mean, the way yeah. it looks, yeah. It makes yeah. sense. All right, go. Sorry. Um, how did I first kind of get into that? I was talking about, like, I think when I first got into uh, psychedelics in general, I was like age 29. And uh, the first experience was with mushrooms. And, um, you know, I had a really wonderful experience. Uh, I took a bunch. I went and watched the sunset. I uh, I did have like this sky entity come down and like say what's up. I had this ocean entity come down say what's up for a moment. I was like a baby in a womb. It was like a, essentially. How many a, grams do you think you took? I, I think I ate like four and a half, five. Oh mm-hmm. shit! Okay. So and um, it was a really good time. And uh, at the time, I still was very unaware of like all this and what it was. Uh, I didn't put any of the dots together again till like probably six years later. Down what the road. What does that mean? What does what mean exactly? Any the, of the doubts. So oh, dots, put the oh, dots, dots together. together. Okay. Yeah, I didn't put the dots together and what was gotcha. really happening. As I mentioned before, like a part of me was trying to logically make sense of like what is I, what I uh, was experiencing, you know, with these essential entities or these beings that would like come down and like say what's up. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, I thought there were just other people in the world that were just meditating at that time. We were somehow in this unique field of meditation. So that's how I logically made sense of a lot of my experiences with Mm -hmm. mushrooms, with DMT. Uh, And I wasn't meditating yet. I was actually just using psychedelics to reach that realm uh, at that point. And then uh, about three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, I went to Tulum and it was quite some time since I did plant medicine. <clears throat> so, and I never worked with a shaman before. All of my plant medicines were just done by myself within my home. Um, and so uh, my buddy went to a person and did some DMC. He had a great experience. We were in Tulum and I was with Steph at the time and we, uh, we decided to go check it out. And I was like, you know, and I'd never been shamaned into a DMT experience. So let's we'll see what that's about. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went there and he just did a quick three rounds of breath work with me. But it was like 30 seconds. Nothing really like I thought was profound from it. I didn't really gain any from Did the DMT. Um, that was a very, 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 very short DMT trip. Nothing really wild or crazy. Uh, I walked away from it. Um, nothing crazy, to be honest. But then when I came home for whatever reason, I like woke up one day and I decided to just sit down and start breathing. It was kind of strange. It was I didn't feel like there was any influence from doing the breath work. There was no thought on it. And I started doing some breath work. And uh, I did it for like three days in a row. Um, nothing too crazy happened. But then I, uh, for whatever reason, I go into our office at the time. And I uh, always had trouble with reading and comprehension because of my, uh, my lack of focus. Because um, my mind was always essentially probably going all over the place. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I found myself walking into our office and we had some books. 
And I don't know why I went in there, but I go in there and I just grab a book. And the book that I grabbed was Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. And I'm like, got to go down. I sit on the toilet, take a shit, and I'm start reading this book. And <laughs> and uh, I'm reading what I'm kind of experiencing these last three days. And then as I'm continuing to do the breath work, it's like completely unfolding as I'm reading. So it was like this wonderful knowledge kind of guiding me through what was I what was happening. And then more entities would come down, more more downloads would happen, and then I eventually found myself um, adding it to my workouts, in between my workouts, uh, during my sets and stuff like breath that. Work. At the, yeah, breath work. I started adding it and everything, and then I was like, man, this is fucking unbelievable. Like, I'm on to something. I remember just being so excited about it. I started doing it with all my clients uh, in between their, their sets at the very end of their uh, workouts, and then eventually they were asking if I could just run them through breath work. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, sure. So I started developing a program and uh, all said and done, like that's what I, I, I pretty much do now. Like teach people how to breathe, teach people how to quiet the analytical mind uh, so they can reconnect to a more loving self so they can make better decisions in their life. When you say you used to do it in between sets, what did that look like? Because in between sets, it's like a minute or two, right? So what were you doing in that minute or two? It's more so like uh, just how I would show you guys like the... <sighs> like 10 of those mm-hmm. and then because they're not bodybuilders and they're not powerlifters so i wasn't trying to like have these big breaks it was more so keep them moving keep them in that flow keep them in that yoga mm-hmm. so uh it was like just 10 10 powerful breaths and then they would get back in the set and they do the set and they come back out 10 powerful breaths and man they were just glowing by the end of this workout they were just profoundly changing they were like you could see it in their skin their complexion everything their face and then I would have them lay down. At the time, I wasn't guiding them through any breath work, but I would have them lay down and just put some really cool, like, you know, um, meditative music on. Like, here, just lay here and just hang out for 10 minutes. And then that's what I would leave them with. And then that was uh, our sessions for quite a while. And then, mm. and then I was learning my own style, put together my own program to put myself through. And then, yeah, and then next thing I know, I'm leading these people through it. And it just caught fire. I think there's something really interesting about that, like having somebody, giving them another task in between the set mm doesn't give them a chance to, um, you know, sometimes when you're personal training, the person will bog you down with uh, some negative stuff that's going on in their yeah, life. That's it's true. a therapy session in mm-hmm. some ways. And uh, when you have them breathe and concentrate on something different, they're not going to really have that that time. I think an interesting thing is I think that we, we feel like the only way that we can communicate is with like a lot of words. Mm. And so I haven't seen you in a while, so I'm just going to just gonna mm-hmm. give you tons of fucking words, dump tons of words on you. Um, and that happens a lot in personal training sessions when you're working with somebody. If you didn't work with somebody for a little bit and then they come back into this scene or they were on vacation or mm-hmm. whatever the situation is, and then there it's like words, 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 words. Uh, but there's a lot of ways to communicate, and there's a lot of ways for us to ex- express ourselves. Yeah. So I think the breathing, like even the breathing that you took us through, for someone who's like more shy, who doesn't want to make as much noise, doesn't want to be disruptive, for them to go <sighs> and make yeah. a lot of noise, or sometimes you see a lifter who, you know, is getting ready for a set, make some noise before they go and do their set. There's some people that would never, they would never do that. Mm-hmm. Like some people don't think it's necessary, but other people just maybe it's just not in their personality. So I think you're tapping into a lot of different yeah. things on a lot of different levels. What were some of the things that people reported back to you like feeling uh, in terms of feeling different from these training sessions um i think i think just more focused more present right it's about it's i just kept them in this in this flow state as i mentioned like a lot of times you probably get it through your runs 
and people fall into this flow state. People fall into it when they do their yoga, uh, when they dance. Even people do it when they play music, this flow state. And that's where we're really trying to get to is to find that space. And most people in between sets, like you said, they kind of want to talk. They want to become distracted from whatever it is. So if I can keep them focused on the set, which is also including the breath and muscle-mind connection, and then I can keep them focused on the breath in between those sets, I'm keeping them in the very, very present state. And that's where the magic happens is in the present moment. So that's where I try to get everybody to kind of get there. And we can use many modalities. We can use the training with the breath. We can use the cold plunge. We can use the breath work by itself. Um, what can we do to create a level of presence so that people can really tap into a different part of themselves? And, mm-hmm. and that space is just full of knowledge and enlightenment and everything. And they, they walk away maybe not knowing something right away from that workout, but they're more mindful as they leave my house. So when they leave my house, they're just paying attention to like whatever it is the fuck they're doing for the first time. And, you know, instead of just going back into like the same, you know, cycle of just being on their phone, being distracted, you know, addicted to that, stimulated by this. And they're just kind of just sitting there for the first time. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, shit, I didn't notice that. I'm like, oh, shit, I, I should do that, you know. And then they start making some pretty profound changes in their life. That concept of being present is like, I think, honestly, the the over arching theme in all of it because um i was telling you you asked me if i ever meditate and i used to do meditation a lot with uh i used sam harris's app waking up um and when i would meditate you know you'd be concentrating on your breath and you'd be present concentrating on mm-hmm. the breath mm-hmm. and that it was like i'd do that for like 20 minutes right but then when i got the cold plunge well when you go into the cold you're you're immediately present mm-hmm. so then i just literally replaced med- the the meditation, meditation i typically do with the cold um, and doing the Wim Hof breathing in there allows me to like stay in there a little bit longer, but I am present. I'm not thinking of anything else, right. right? The breathing allows me to just be there present with that. And then like you said, it's like, what there, what ways can you figure out how to be present during your day? And that's the, the thing you're doing with your clients, the breathing in between sets. It made me think it's like many people don't have times during their day where they just sit down and just be. breathe. Yeah. And don't have anything else going, whether it's music mm-hmm. <clears throat> or it's your phone or it's your TV or yeah. you're talking to somebody or you're listening to a YouTube video, but time to just breathe, that will make the biggest difference for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's one thing I really was paying attention to. I remember when I was like, I was, I was like so addicted to, um, I think maybe the chase for dopamine or some form of stimulation. And I remember one time just sitting there and I was like, I was smoking weed, listening to music, <laughs> eating food on my phone. I'm like, bro, I'm mm. like, you, you are a goldfish right now. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And then, <laughs> so I was like, let's pull this away and start maybe leaning into serotonin in the present moment. So that's what I kind of started doing. And that's kind of hard because um, if you, again, identify with the brain, you then can't be aware that your brain has having withdrawal symptoms from these stimulations, from this chase of dopamine. So that was a huge moment for me is, um, is at first I, I felt that anxiety from not getting the hit or chasing the hit. I felt that anxiety and it was like profound. And then at, at one point I almost created a story like, am I depressed or am I anxious or am I this? Because you feel it. And then I was like, wait, no, I'm going through literally a withdrawal symptom from all of these stimulations that I've been hooked on every seven to 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
So that was a huge awareness shift that I was able to have. And then it also like took the edge off of thinking that something could have been wrong or that story that I was starting to create, which I think is happening to a lot of people. I think a lot of people are addicted to all these stimulations. And when they try to be better about their phone, they try to be better about their food and they try to be better about their TV, this wave of anxiety comes on even more profound when they're trying to be good. But really, it's the withdrawal from all of these stimulations. And so then they can possibly create a story like I'm you know, lonely or sad or anything, then they go and get on some medication, which isn't very good as opposed to, Adderall. oh yeah, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling this anxiety. What can I do with it? I'm like, go stand in the fucking grass and to sit in the sun for 15 minutes and be present. Or if it's really hard, get in the cold. Or if mm. it's really hard, breathe it out. So it's about getting them to lead into these present modalities as opposed to coping and masking it with these forms of stimulation, which will, again, just make you anxious again. So that's where everybody's at, I feel. Everybody's on this hamster wheel. They're first uh, anxious due to whatever reasons, right? It could be from childhood trauma. It could be just from collective anxiety. It could be from you know, just poor behaviors. But what they end up doing is that they're anxious, then they dive into a form of stimulation to cope with it, and then they're anxious again. And this is that vicious loop that everybody's in, as opposed to being like, how can I get out of that? And that's why the breath work is cool, because you can pull yourself out for a moment, and then you're like, oh, damn, this is not a good behavior. This is not a good behavior. This is not a good behavior. And I even came up with a, a, a daily practice board and on my uh, on my fridge and I don't have to do all of these practices or any of them there's no pressure to do them but I wrote a bunch of present uh, activities or exercises down and so like if I'm on my phone too much I'm like oh man what can I be doing and I see that board I'm like well why don't you go stand in the sun for 15 minutes right now and get some grounding in and stuff like that and I can check that off my board and a lot of the times by the end of the day it's like now I'm not even thinking about the board but I go and still like see what I did and I'm, I'm doing like 10 15 <laughs> different things on that board and I'm living in the present moment now as opposed to like trying to be there. And now it's like becoming a new, a new, uh, you know, yeah, a whole new life. It's pretty wild. What are some of the other practices though? Because like this, I, I think people are going to love this. Like what are some other things that mm. allow you to just be present that people could, because like if you're trying to not do things on your phone or not watch a bunch of YouTube videos, you have to replace some of those practices when you're typically going on autopilot and doing these things with something else. Yes. So what are some examples of some things that people can do? Well, there are actually a lot of fun things and, and it's kind of neat because you get to start being a kid again in a lot of ways. A lot of times it's, it's about being creative and being in the moment. Like dancing is really fucking fun. Mm -hmm. Dancing, singing, drawing, um, sauna work, that's fun stuff. Cold plunge work, yoga is a good one. Making love is a really profound way to get present and to, to be in that moment. Hey, like, now. Hey, there's a, there's a lot of really great, ascending love, uh, journaling. There's a lot of really cool ways for you to, you know, focus and be in that present moment that are really positive and full of love and that can really just raise who you are in a, in a vibrational way. And then, then the law of attraction works. Just fucking do something different every once in a while, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The first part is, is like they can't get out of it, though, right? They can't see it. So they have mm -hmm. to zoom out. So that's why this breath work and things like the cold and stuff like that, they really can get a person for the first time to zoom out. The breath work is particularly um, special because one, it gives you something to focus on the breath, but the big one is that it cleans this vessel with the breath. When you're breathing, you're moving a lot of energy around. So if your body and your body stores anxiety, your body stores trauma, it really does cellular. So how can we clean it? How can we clean this vessel every day? 
and that's through the breath. So that's why I wake up every morning and I get first thing in the morning, I drop down to the floor and I get my breath work in, I clean out anything that's in my body, I raise my vibration, I become incredibly present, become as much love as I can, and then I go into my day. And then on top of that, I'm hitting all those little daily practices all through my day. Like, oh, yeah, I have 15 minutes, go out in the sun or hey, go for a walk or hey, go get in the cold plunge. Hey, have a workout, but don't fucking go on your phone. You know, it's intention's a big one, too. Um, I think a lot of people, when they do things, they don't do things with intention for one. And a lot of times when they do things, even when they work out or when they um, try to be successful, it comes from a place of fear and or lack as opposed to uh, love, the reasons why we're doing it. Most people don't work out for the love of it. They work out because they come from an insecure place and they want to be accepted. So it comes from a really uh, low vibrational space. People do that getting in relationships. They're afraid of being alone. They get mm-hmm. in relationships from a low vibrational space. They have children because they think they're supposed to. They get married because they think they're supposed to. And it's like a lot of people come from that space and a lot of the things they do become a doctor mm-hmm. from that space. So, um, <laughs> it can, yeah, it can be a driver of success in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but it's not sustainable. It, That's the problem. Right. It's not sustainable. It, it can work for a little bit, but it isn't sustainable. So imagine if you start operating from love, if you operate from love for all those things, that's sustainable and it's 10 times more powerful. So it's like, I, I really make it a point, like, and it's a simple thing. Like, are you getting high or are you connecting when you do things? When you go to the fridge to eat food, are you getting high with the food or are you connecting? And so it takes intention. It's a war. Yeah, it's awareness, right? Like when you work out, are you getting high or are you connecting? A little bit of both, but it's a great way of looking at it. You know, if somebody was just sitting there just ripping off a bong all day long, you'd be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Right. But like, meanwhile, we're doing the same thing a lot of times. All this just nonstop, like suckling, right? Yes. Yes. And suckling with the phone. Are you, are you actually going on there and doing your work and connecting with people on your phone? Are you just mindlessly scrolling? Same thing with your TV. Same thing when you call to hang out with somebody. Are you actually wanting to connect with that human or are you bored and need a distraction from your anxiety? And that's where most people are operating from. So we can start setting intention by first becoming aware with the forms of stillness. And a really important thing to know is that the things that you're tangled up in, they're not going to help your anxiety. They're probably going to make it worse. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's really cool is like it's nice seeing my clients. They're actually – they start to like zoom out and they can watch their person go to do something. And at first – at first, they get caught up in it still, right? Because it's like retraining this sentient being, this avatar, if you will. It's like mm-hmm. you have to retrain it. So at first, you gonna still get taken for the ride for a few times. You wind up, you know, like eating all the food, you know. And then the next time you uh, you're in the fridge and you catch yourself, you're like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, you're not even hungry, bro. Like, close <laughs> the fucking fridge and go for a walk or something. And then before you know it, you're just much more aware of how you operate, and that kind of just unfolds really nicely. Andrew, mm-hmm. give us uh, an idea of what you experienced during this breath work because you, you were on a road trip over there. That, yeah, it was like, <laughs> and what's funny is like, I, I wouldn't say I was skeptical or anything like that. Um, I was I was totally open and hoping that I would see things, but I've never experienced anything like it. So mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, maybe I'm not one of those persons that's going to actually see anything, shapes or whatever it may be. But um, pretty quickly, I... You know, my hands started tingling and I was like, well, he said this was normal. This is fine. But then they eventually just went completely numb, <laughs> which was, I mean, I was like, uh, I guess that's okay too. <laughs> but um, then the imagery started coming out of nowhere. 
And what was funny is the, the, the more clear it became, the harder it was for me to keep my eyes closed. I literally was like squinting, like trying really hard and my eyes would not, they kept opening. So it's like, you feel like your eyes are going to the back of your head. No, no, No? not, not that. It's just, um, honestly, like there's a huge part of me that was like still fighting it. Yeah. You know, my, my, my physical being was like, nope, we don't want this right now. And it kept opening. Yeah. But I, I, I somehow kept coming back to a sing, single leaf, like just sticking up in like a fucking big forest of shit, like behind it. I don't know what was behind it. It was blurry. But one leaf just kept stick. He, I just kept coming back and seeing this leaf. I was like, this That's is interesting. Cool. I wonder what will come to you as a, something later. Yeah. Like, what does it mean? I, I don't know. And then yeah. um, I did see some like really bright, like neon green colors. Mm-hmm. And I was like kind of falling back away from this hallway of like this shit. Like it just kept, it just kept going and going. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then like, I, I don't know if I started to fall asleep or what was going on or where I was. I don't, I was not in this room, mm. but I was, I was imagine. I don't know. I was talking to my wife and I was explaining to her about a dream I had <laughs> that Encima moved in with us. And my biggest concern was like, <clears throat> Is is he gonna be as messy as he is in the in the studio <laughs> as he is here in the house and like trying to trying to manage that right like so I'm pretty sure that's a manifestation of like like hey let's clean this up and like try to deal with this but it's that's so funny so because like like oh shit I was dreaming but in my my dream state I was explaining how I had another dream. So like literally the definition of inception is what I experienced. And then real quickly, the, the other part is I didn't realize it was 55 minutes. Yeah. If I would have, you would, you could have told me it was 20 and I would have been like, yeah, that was a solid 20 minute session. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how, Uh how how it flies by. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it, it, the, the, when you said it was 55 minutes, it's, it is wild because like, when people smoke weed, they talk about time dilation. Like yes. time feels like it goes, <laughs> time feels like it's going much, much slower. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even though it's, it's going normally. So this really felt like it felt like time was moving super mm-hmm. fast, mm-hmm. even though we were there for a long ass time. All I saw was black, by the way, people, I didn't see anything. It felt amazing. I didn't feel like I was in my body, but I didn't see anything, mm-hmm. which is cool. I that's, don't mind that. That's typically my experience too. I don't yeah. see many colors. I mean, I've definitely have some wild ones with entities and shit coming down. And I mean, I had one really wild experience. Um, uh, one time I was meditating and there was like this white light that came like spherical white light. And this was like about three years ago, right when I was kind of really getting into it. And it felt like it like pressed me into the floor. Like, you know how your hands felt really heavy for you? Well, it felt like it pressed me into the floor and it felt like whatever it was, was like scanning my face. It got really, really close. It was like, like almost scanning my body. It works its way down my body. And then it got to my balls. And (laughs) all of a sudden I felt this energy go through my groin up into like my abdomen. And it was like, I remember I wrote in my journal, I was like, yo, this uh, entity blessed my balls. I, I, was, I was like, I think I could definitely should make a baby at some point here soon. Um, but yeah, that was like a thing that happened. I, I literally wrote it in my journal. I'm like, uh, something came down and blessed my balls. It was really wild. But yeah, really bright white light and like scanned me. So some wild shit can definitely happen when you do this stuff. Uh, we were talking about like time, you know, the 55 minutes, how it went by quickly. The opposite happens when you're really mad, when you're really mm. upset, when you mm. have anxiety. Um, people have reported this before and just even somebody just going through a rough time 
somebody says like they oh man that was the worst and they'll say year but they might have only been uh they might have only been going through it for just a, a handful of weeks mm-hmm. but it just seemed like it ruined the entire year um because when someone's uh, anxious that's kind of the, they start to focus on that and try to fill in with a lot of other things that maybe aren't helpful alcohol and other it drugs slows and down i think you know being intentional it does slow down for sure i think being intentional and uh just it's not an easy thing to do but being intentional and starting to look into other options like what are some other options you know like you you mentioned uh some psychedelics yeah um, they can be good options really for a lot options. of people and i think some people laugh and they're like oh it's funny it's silly it's going to get high or going to get fucked up or have mm-hmm. some weird mushroom experience which which happens all the time mm-hmm. but uh, it can be really beneficial, right? Yeah, I think I think psych- if you break it down, what like psychedelics do is they put you in a present state, right? And so you can take a little bit and they can make you just a little bit more present, a little bit more mindful, a little bit more love, a little bit less ego, a little bit more peaceful, and you can go about your day. And then from that present space, you can become aware of your behaviors that are fucking you up all the time. So, and then if you do a bunch, you can go really, really inward, obviously a much, much more present state mm-hmm. and, and do some serious work in that direction as well. Um, I think it's a wonderful way to kind of introduce a lot of people into this space in a lot of ways, um, because sometimes the mind is so gnarly and it won't let them sit still in any way. I think breath work outside of plant medicine is probably the two best ways to kind of reach that state. A lot of people try to meditate and they like, they just try to sit there and shut their brain off, which is going to be really impossible. So... Uh, I think mushrooms uh, and psychedelics in general are literally that tool to do that, to help us become self-aware. And like, I mean, that's what Terrence McKenna was all about with, uh, you know, the apes going through the savanna and picking up fucking mushrooms out of mm-hmm. fucking dung and mm-hmm. eating it. And then they're looking at their hand for the first what time. What a cool like, movie that was, right? Was it a magical mushroom or something? Or um, Which one was that one? Um, that was pretty damn cool. Was it, it was Fantastic Fun Guy? No, uh, yeah, the Fun Guy, it- yeah. Terrence McKenna was, uh, he wrote Food of the Gods. Hmm, okay. um, and it's all about mushrooms and like the history of mushrooms and hmm. his theory of like human evolution and, uh, and stuff like that. If you like look that. him up, man, he has a lot of cool, a lot of cool and stuff. And then I think, I think it's Paul Stamets or Stamets who yeah, did yes. Fantastic Fungi. <clears throat> okay. So yeah, both, both the, the book that I'm reading with Terrence is a really hard book though. I do it on audio and reading because it's pretty dense and mm. kind of boring, but I it's a lot of good information. Yeah, it looks like uh, DMT, the spirit molecule, was that's Terrence another, McKenna. That's another good one too. Yeah. I haven't gotten how, how dangerous is some of this stuff? So far, um, unless you're a person who is completely unaware that you take psychedelics, I think it's the only time it maybe could be dangerous because it is a oh, powerful hallucinogen. Somebody so, just like laced something with it or Yeah, or, or just even a young mind. Say a person doesn't have any intentions why they're taking psychedelics mm. and they take a bunch of psychedelics and say they have a lot of fears. And so if you have a lot of fears and you have these fears playing in your head while you're on psychedelics, they can be a really bad time. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I think if you're a conscious person and you, you're aware that you're doing this work with the medicine and you want to look at your behaviors as opposed to kind of being thrown into them uh, i think it's a much better approach you know set and setting are important and a loving setting where there's good energy around you know and as opposed to like just taking it and going to a nightclub and or something like that and you're just mm-hmm. you know that's not a good job that's not a good idea <laughs> is it a good idea to maybe let someone know you know like if hey i'm gonna yeah do these mushrooms, here's where I'm at, type of thing. I recommend if you're going to do them and you would like to really do them to understand the, the proper benefits of them, 
uh, do them with a guide or a shaman. I think those are really good ways to kind of like get into it. I never did that, but I was I was lucky enough to where I was like in a good space. I think mentally and physically as a person, um, I wasn't afraid. I think fear has a as a big component when you're doing these type of things. So if you have any fear within you and you're uncertain and you take these type of medicines, it can be uh, a tough situation possibly. But if you're a person who who wants to take them to heal, wants to take them to learn, and you are a little nervous, you can have uh, a guide or a shaman be that person who holds space for you in case you have the idea that you might freak out and you know that something's there to to help you. That's all you kind of need. It's almost like the placebo effect. Like there's a person in the room that yeah. is going to keep me safe and that keeps them safe. It's not even the shaman really in a lot of ways or the guide. It's just the idea that somebody's there. And the first time I did mushrooms, I was very scared, but um, I had a, I did it with a group of people uh, and a lot of those people were already like they've done mushrooms. You mm -hmm. just a group of friends who we went out to a beach um, and they already had experience with it. So like everyone I knew was like, oh yeah, it's going to be fine. So everyone was chill. No one was partying or anything, but it was with the group of people that were chill that also have mm -hmm. done it and that when I was like, oh shit, like they're like, oh, you're good, dude. Mm. So it is good if you can, if you if you have someone that is like- Good people. Good people. Good people can make that experience so much better. It's kind of great. No one can do anything for, you know, no one can do anything <laughs> other than just reassure you that you're okay. You're not gonna die. <laughs> but like, yeah. you're, dude, you're good. Like yeah, you're, you're breathing, good. you're you're set, but no one can really do anything for you. <laughs> yeah, I think the best way, if you are a person out there that's looking to get into this, I think microdosing would be the best approach. Mm -hmm. You know, 0.1, 0.2 gram. And do it with breath work or, or do it by going for a nice long walk out in nature or watch the sunset, you know, like do something earthy or grounding. Uh, it's going to be very, very subtle. It's just going to make you a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more present. And from that, you're going to you're going to find some awareness. You might walk away with something and and that'll feel really nice because a lot of people are struggling from an over analytical mind, from an overbearing ego and uh, their fears and insecurities are what's driving them all day long. And so how can we just quiet that down a little bit? And a microdose is a wonderful way to kind of get into it. And then eventually when you feel more comfortable and you know what it feels like and you know what like, like you know, the stuff, you can, you can do a little bit bigger dose and like, you know, do the same thing. Go watch a sunset, maybe just lay down in a nice comfortable room, have some fresh fruit ready if you get hungry or some shit like that and mm -hmm. just have a good time, a good playlist. Do you feel like you needed a uh, awakening of some kind? Like I've known you for a little bit, but... Uh, uh, we don't know each other, know each other. And, you know, I just see you, you know, in passing at Gold's Gym years ago. And um, more recently, we just have minimal contact, you know, via some DMs and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I mean, it, seemed like th it seems like things go well for you. You seem like you're at peace, like in general. Uh, yeah. You've always kind of seen that way. But uh, do you feel like you... Like, you know, you, I guess you sought these things out and, uh, what, what do you think you were searching for? You know, I don't think until, I think even though I was having these experiences, I was still very much unaware in so many ways. Um, I would have the experiences, but I didn't look into them. I didn't really think much of them. When you say experiences, do you mean like mushrooms, DMT, or all of, like it. All of it? All of it, okay. yeah. I mean, up until like three years ago, that's when I actually became aware of self, right? Because like my definition of true self-awareness, and I've mentioned this before, is understanding that you're not the person, right? This is just my personal belief that you're not this sentient being. You're not this avatar. So you are a soul having a human experience with this sentient being. So that's my definition of, of self-awareness. And I didn't become... Um, uh, self-aware until probably like three years ago I would say I became aware that like oh my goodness I'm a soul having a human experience and what's that all about and then I 
went into that realm with that understanding and it really allowed me to expand my consciousness and knowledge and how all of this works and how I can retrain my brain and retrain my person. And I look at it uh, from a zoomed out lens where before I was having these amazing experiences that were full of love and I was learning, but I was just kind of like going with it. I was like a kid almost, you know, I was just like in the moment regurgitating anything that came to my mind and like just like leaning into it i remember even like before i even got into breath work i would like random shit i would like just say in my household i woke up one morning and it's funny looking back on yourself that wasn't aware when you are aware and you can kind of see like these key moments where like there's something like coming through or speaking up and i remember i woke up one day and i get into the bathroom like looking at myself in the mirror and i'm like you know it'd be a good idea and uh steph was like what and i'm like probably smart to like take some heavy deep breaths in the morning or something like first thing when you wake up and this before any breath work was out Wim Hof wasn't around and I'm like I, I think that'd be smart and she's like really I'm like yeah I mean we probably don't use parts of these lungs a lot of times that are like kind of like stagnant and all like shriveled up and shit like we probably should be like expanding them and just doing some heavy breaths mm -hmm. of course I didn't start doing it then but it was just like these these unique things that come through sometimes and if you're paying attention maybe you'll lean into it other times maybe not so, um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of those type of things happening uh, as I was unaware through my life and that eventually got me to this awareness. I'm, I'm curious about this. Like, were you, have you always, even when you were a teenager, young adult, have you always been kind of like a chill dude or, you, yeah? So, so you said that there was a point where you almost told yourself, like, maybe I have anxiety. Um, was breath work the fit, the catalyst that kind of adjusted you and helped you get through to being mm. present or was it the dmt experience you had earlier so when i actually had anxiety i would say for the first time it was it was actually pretty recently i don't think i really had it before to be honest or i didn't know maybe what it was you know like you know like uh when a smoker smokes at first he could feel the poison of the cigarette but then after a while like the cigarette feels very normal i, well, I think the six so i, I think that's what like anxiety feels like for a lot of people mm. like they're so in it they don't even know they're anxious mm. so i think there could have been some of that in my life without realizing it but i don't think i really struggled with anxiety for the most part when i struggled with anxiety um for that moment um and it really only lasted for a brief moment is when i made the move to texas so me and my uh, former wife separated so that was a big change i moved to a whole space new space you know a whole new state that was a big change. I was changing careers in a lot of ways. I was going from PT work to providing breath work. That was a whole new thing, new community, new people. Didn't know anything where anything was. And so I was distracting myself way more than ever. I was on my phone more. I was trying to actually like work more for the first time. It's like, I really don't try to work. Work just kind of flows in. And so I was like trying to work. I was trying to do this. I was like working out more every day. And I was like, this is so strange. Like, what am I doing right now? Because I had all this extra time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do with it. So then when I, I did that thing where I like put away the phone, I wasn't going to be in the fridge. I wasn't going to just call these people to hang out and just fill a space. And I felt that anxiety. I was like, whoa, I'm like, what is this? And like I said, at first I was like creating a story. I'm like, am I a depressed individual? Mm. And then I was like, no, no, you're just having withdrawal symptoms from all this stimulation, man. And you need to like give it a rest and chill out for a second. And what can you do? And you already know you could do your breath work. And that's when I came up with my daily practice board. I was like, what can you do outside of your breath work, right? Because a lot of times you can do the breath work and still fall into the old behaviors and that can kind of take some time to like really change your entire paradigm. But um, the, the board really helped. It, like instead of being on my phone, I'm like, oh, there's a daily reminder real quick. I'll go for a walk real quick around, you know, without my phone and really pay attention to like the trees and shit like that. And I noticed right away, I'm like, oh, I, I'm just having withdrawal symptoms from my 
from my forms of stimulation, I don't actually have anxiety. Mm -hmm. The anxiety thing is really interesting to me because the practices that we talk about, we talk a lot about walking. We talk a lot about trying to stay present. We've introduced the cold. That's a new thing for us. Um, but we've also really been talking about breathing a lot on the podcast. And I do find it kind of crazy, especially since, you know, we brought Patrick McEwen onto the podcast about four years ago. He wrote The Oxygen Advantage. And switching the way we breathe, you know what I mean, uh, to doing more nasal breathing, calming down, switching that, even for myself, allowed me to calm down a lot. And mm -hmm. I've always been pretty chill. I've never been really erratic or whatever. But even just focusing on nasal breathing and relaxing allowed me to be a more relaxed individual with everything that everything I did. Everything else, yeah. But it's so wild that this one thing is something that when you walk around and you watch people breathe, a lot of people are breathing up here. Yep. And when shallow you, breaths. When you understand what shallow breaths do and how it taps into the sympathetic nervous system and just innately makes you more, if something happens, if I were to go like that at Mark and he wasn't relaxed, he'd be like, oh shit. Right. But the person being more relaxed, like things that would typically get to them don't get to them. And it's a simple fix if you could just focus on mm. nasal breathing, breathing a little bit slower, that thing that you do all day long and when you're sleeping, if you just switched a little bit, so many things in your life and the way you handle things can be switched around. Yeah, that, that awareness shift just with all things is the biggest step for a lot of people. Most people, nobody's driving the car. Nobody's driving the avatar. The avatar is literally doing its own thing. It's deeply conditioned. Um, it's trained to do all these poor habits and poor behaviors and nobody's driving it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when they finally start doing this type of work, you know, a driver finally starts getting in that getting in that seat and, and starts taking the wheel and, and starts finally changing the tires and changing the fucking windshield washer fluid and giving it a wash. <laughs> because up until that point, that thing's just fucking run ragged and, you know, it's, it's bad, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to see people finally start taking the wheel in a way. I like the idea of breath work, uh, especially as it pertains to meditating. I think for some people, I think people have tried meditation before and maybe doesn't vibe well with them or they don't like it for whatever reason. They have a hard time just kind of getting still, yeah. getting still. But I've noticed the cold plunge has been great, a great form of meditation. Yes. And I've always thought that um, maybe it's my excuse for like not sitting down and like meditating in a traditional way. But I always thought there's lots of ways to meditate. Yes. So I consider like some of my walks and some of my runs and some of the, even just training in general. Running is a big one for a I lot kinda, of people. I kind of consider it to have a, certainly have a meditative effect in some ways. I, I think um, if whatever's present is meditating, right? If you were in the present moment all the time, you wouldn't have to meditate. Ah, right. that's true. <laughs> yeah, right. sometimes when I'm running, I'm fucked. I got nothing to, I got nothing else to think about other than like, man, you better focus on your breath. Breath, yeah. Because this is getting mm. to be pretty hard. Yep. Yeah, so anytime that you're present is a form of meditation. So you're exactly right. And whatever those things are, that's why that board is so nice. Like, if you're authentically dancing, if you're authentically painting, if you're focused on something, that is a meditative state. That's a great way to look at it. You know, if you're in the present moment, you are meditating. It was also interesting, like using sound. Mm. You know, I think I think there's certain things that um, it's hard to sometimes identify what's real. And you start to talk about conscious and unconscious and mm. uh, some of these different things. Things get to be kind of confusing. <clears throat> but sound is like. There's, some, there's something to sound that's a little different. And there's something to pain, which get, which pain is an interesting one too mm. because uh, one person can have tons of pain from something in particular and another person cannot experience the same exact thing. Pain is a hard thing to, uh, to try to figure out in some ways. But 
I think pain and sound are things that are like easier to identify as being real. Yeah, I like sound. And how'd you guys like having the sound bowl? That was great. It was Wild, incredible. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the sound bowls are something that's just out of this world. I, I mean, I never thought in a million years I'd be playing sound bowls, you know, throughout the week for my clients, you know, in a room. And it's just like now, I mean, I wish I could have all seven for you here. You need like a, a drum setup and stuff too now, you know? <laughs> so that's actually funny. I'm actually getting this table created that's a, a table that I stand inside of. Uh, it's a hollow table and it's a lazy Susan table. That's and great. so then I can have all seven bowls and I can just turn it so i can play all like a fucking dj yeah yeah <laughs> so I that's, love it. that's what i'm getting made so i can really host and 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 play for a, quite a few people my goal is to really start playing for some large groups because if you imagine you get a thousand people breathing like you guys did <laughs> and that, so and, and joe joe dispenza gets into how all this is measurable like this this frequency this love frequency is measurable and so when you do this type of this type of work and you raise this type of energy and these vibrations, um, you can do some miracle stuff, you know, like people curing of cancer and people walking that haven't walked in forever and eyesight stuff, you know, like Jesus stuff. So it's like really far out amazing things that people are able to do through the power of the breath, through the power of like just raising their vibration. And before, I don't, I don't know you're about to say something, Andrew, but mm -hmm. because like I know some people immediately, once you said like vibrations, um, some people are like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. immediately, people start thinking this is super woo stuff. But yeah. I would really implore you to go. Number one, check out Joe Dispenza's work. Check out mm -hmm. his book because yeah. a lot of the stuff, like it's it's there, there's proof yes. behind a yes. lot of it. Like there's a lot, and there's been a lot of studies on the stuff that he talks about. So mm -hmm. as ridiculous and wild as some of the things sound, like you know, we we we've even go, gone into like the like he talks about the power of what people believe. Mm -hmm. And even that in of itself is like something that changes the way that people go through life and the things they do. And it's, it's not woo. -woo. You just got to yeah. be a little open, open to it if you're right now super skeptical. Well, you know, I think a lot of times um, most people are, are predominantly like left brain, right? Which is the analytical side. It's, it's like the part that can't believe in any type of magic whatsoever and you know men are often mostly left brain individuals so it's a little bit harder to, to get them to kind of like get into this kind of work also the entire system is all left brain school is left brain they take kind of like a lot of the creativity out when we're kids and they put us in you know these unique schoolings and stuff like that and so um, that our right brain kind of loses its magic and mm. its understandings of like a lot of this potential woo-woo-ness and you know, all this beautiful stuff because we just don't work that part of our brain in a lot of ways. So as you start to uh, do this type of work, you'll see that you're going to become more creative. Uh, you'll see this stuff being more magical and not so weird. Um, it just takes time to start using that other side of your brain in a lot of ways. Yeah, I did have a question about like the cold. But before that, um, would it be OK like at, when we end the show, if you could play the uh, the bowl like on air? I yeah. think that'd be that'd be pretty sick. I'll open yeah. up your microphone and then people yeah. will be able to hear it because sure. that shit felt I mean, it was cool. Like some of the uh, the visuals would actually kind of like go with like what I would imagine yes. you turning the bowl. Yes. Like as they got closer to me, those um, I don't even know what they were, but the things that were passing me got thicker as the mm. as the sound got louder, and then as it got softer, they kind of went small, and then they just kept doing that like back and forth, and it was I don't know, it was freaking awesome. Yeah. But um, in regards to the cold plunge, um, I kind of feel like when I get in there, and it can even be for five or ten minutes, but when I come out, I feel very similar to like what we just experienced yes. as far as like. Like I, I say I go in there like I'll just I'll say I'm stressed just because to give people an idea even though I'm not really that stressed but like I'll go in there 
I'll be stressed. And then in the middle of it, I'm like in a lot of discomfort. I'm trying to do the breath work and then I'm okay with it. And then like a weird sense of euphoria comes over me where I'm like, I did it. Like Mm. we're here, like we made it. You know, I did something that a lot of people wouldn't want to do. And then when I get out of it, I'm like more vibrant. I'm happier. We'll, we'll talk about like, um, like episode titles or something like that. And then I'll jump in the cold plunge and then I'll jump out and I'll come up with a really good title for an episode. It's just like stuff just starts coming to me out of nowhere. So what, what's going on there? Is it just because it's really hard and I'm happy that I got out of there or is there something else going on? Well, that kind of gets into like Joe Dispenza's work and what he calls the quantum field, right? So if, again, back to like my definition of self-awareness that your, your loving awareness or AKA consciousness having a human experience. So if, if everybody can tap into this, this oneness, this, this field, right, which he calls the quantum field, it's essentially where you can get uh, enlightenment, ideas, downloads, if you will. So when you get quiet, really, really quiet through some of these modalities, you then can connect to this quantum field and then you can receive an idea or a download and, and it could be towards your profession, it could be towards your personal life, it could be towards just self-development. Um, you know, whatever it is, maybe you can set your intentions, you can do, you can manifest there like we were talking about, you can heal your body in that same space. So there is this, this field essentially that you can uh, lock into through forms of, uh, stillness meditation. Mm -hmm. Can we get into the, uh, the healing your body part? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of times, um, and that's where I got from Joe Dispenza too, you know, he's, he's pretty much, I think, been more so my guru in a lot of ways, him and Ram Dass. So, um, Joe, Joe, like he, obviously I've seen some of the stuff where he's healing like people with cancer, he's healing people with some really hard like diseases and injuries and stuff like that. So I actually, uh, I use it to heal my body. A lot of times if I injure it during like a training session, like if I pull my quad or something on squats or something and I can, uh, meditate, I do the whole breath work. And then once I ascend into that field where you guys were, then I'll visualize like literal love and light going through my leg, like just like swirling all around it. I just visualize it and my leg will literally start like full on vibrating, just vibrating and vibrating and vibrating, just like how your guys' hands were. And I'll just keep visualizing it and visualizing it and visualizing it. And I notice the the more I believe I have this capability, the faster it heals. Mm. So it kind of correlates with my faith in a way or my belief in a way, like oh. in my power, I guess. So if I don't believe it, it doesn't work. If I believe it, it seems like I can heal it almost immediately in some cases. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You you can you can do a lot from this field. Like I was telling him, you can manifest from this space. So the way I actually get work in a lot of ways is in this field. So um, I'm I'm all about helping people. That's what I love to do. I love to be of service, and I love helping people understand um, what it is what we're talking about. So I, uh, a lot of times when I do my breath work, um, one, I clean my body um, just through like a visualization. I like clean another woo-woo thing, my energy centers. I go through my energy centers and I clean them with love and light. And then um, I then tell the universe to let them know that my heart is completely open and I have lots of love. And if there's anybody out there that needs help or needs, you know, just some guidance, like send them my way. I can hold all the space. And I say that when I'm in this field. And then people come. Mm-hmm. And it's just how it works. That's how I, I mean. And I do that. I mean, I never have anything on my schedule pretty much from week to week. It's a whole flow type of work environment that I have. So, like, 
when I, I make sure I just meditate every day and then when I meditate like two, three, four or five people end up hitting me up and they want to work together and link up and then I do it again the next day. And, and, it's, and what's funny is the only time that I don't, I don't actually get my workflow is if I'm not aligned, mm. if I'm not capable of holding the space mm-hmm. and I'm not actually, you know, there. Um, so that's what's really neat. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's actually, it, it's hard for me to still sometimes believe it. Like, how does it keep working? How does this keep working? And I start cracking up, like, how does this keep working? Me being able to manifest these wonderful people in my life, manifest uh, income, you know, manifest and fix my body, all these type of things. And I'm just meditating in the morning and making this stuff happen. Um, Yeah, it's really, really cool. Like, it's it's a hell of a gift to be able to assist people with going through the different traumas that they have. It's unbelievable. When people show up, are they a little bit like, what this guy's pretty jacked like what's the deal where's the man bun (laughs) i know right um i think i think um sometimes maybe they probably feel that way but i think like my presence is pretty pretty cool you know for the most part and again i give off and i've been told so many times i have this like unique vibe where people just immediately feel safe that's true when people come home (laughs) i appreciate that that's true you know, when people come over, my home is also such a feng shui type of home too. Like it's very, very welcoming. It's it's literally, I, that's why I moved. I mean, I moved to Texas to create Andrew, a home. Andrew, see if you can bring up the uh, Instagram clip of his, uh, he has a sh- couple shots of his house. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I, I was amazed at all the furniture that you guys bought. Mm. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a joke because there's like nothing? There's nothing. <laughs> it's uh, blankets and pillows and yeah. like it looks peaceful as hell. It looks, yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah, I don't do a couch. Wow. I don't do couches. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. It's amazing when like it's, I don't even know where I got that idea from. I was like, I was going to buy a couch when I moved there, but I, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to first, oh yeah, yeah, play that. So this is what I do with my clients. I do this like once or twice a month. I hope these are great things for people to do. Get rid of your fucking couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Bro, it's so and no TV in the living room. No TV. Oh. Right? So like less fucking bullshit. Yeah. And more hanging out. You know, when I have my friends when we all hang out, we all sit on the fucking floor hanging out. It's way more intimate. Next thing you know, you're stretching. Mm-hmm. You don't even know you're just stretching, hanging mm-hmm. out with your friends, smoking a joint, mm-hmm. relaxing. All of a sudden you start playing a sound bowl. There ain't shit to do, so you start talking about real shit, real right? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, so I set this up every month, for, and then I my that's my main meditation room. You can't see what it normally looks like, but usually that that's my main meditation. It's where I meditate every morning. That's where I bring my clients and my one on one and stuff like that, and they come inside there. So yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, but I, I moved there to to be able to host like this, and it's really nice having the spot that uh, allows me to do this stuff. Is your girlfriend all in on this stuff? Um, she's actually really quite, um, special. I would say she, she grew up in a, a Waldorf community. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with Waldorf yeah, community? I so, am, yeah. Okay, I'm, cool. Can you explain uh, it? Unconventional school. Yeah. It's unconventional school. It's kind of similar <clears throat> to like Amish in a way. Um, but, but like, um, allows you to explore early. many of your own interests, uh, yeah. within a school system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot cool. of creativity is pushed. Like her whole family paints, brilliant painters, uh, sings, dances, just expressive. Can can like if we all got lost in the woods, she'd be able to get us out. Type of stuff. Can you know do <laughs> the fires? Great. Yeah, like can she can take a shit anywhere, no problem. <laughs> um, it's just like yeah, all like amazing stuff. So she actually is. I can in, take a shit anywhere, anywhere no too. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got that down pretty good. <clears throat> but she like has this already this this really foundation that I didn't have. She yeah. has like, this really amazing earthy foundation. Her parents are tapped in. Uh, it's really wonderful. And so um, her meeting me is kind of funny because it's bringing her back to that a little bit. You know, she was more so, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, more so kind of like experiencing the other world for quite some time. You know, like, hey, I've been in this this mm -hmm. like this space and I'm going to come over here to this space. Um, so like us linking up kind of just felt really nice and really right. It was like a synergistically really, really beautiful. And she's really I love that she always asks me to do breath work. She's like, hey, can we do breath work today? Or like, hey, can we do this? And she like wants to sing with the sound bowl. So she like loves all the shit that I'm oh, doing. Cool. Yeah, it's really nice, really interested. She's a physical therapist. Hmm. She is, yeah, she's a doctor in uh, physical therapy. Really brilliant, awesome painter. Um, yeah, just well-rounded. Yeah, she's got it all. I want to, oh, go, oh, go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> all right, I, 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 um, I want to rewind real quick to what you're mentioning about uh, healing those different body parts or like having an intention on what you're trying to, you know, work on mm. and heal and then focusing on that. Uh, because again, like I think some people are going to hear that and think it's wild, but I think for the individuals that do want to learn more about what you're talking about, um, you are the placebo and becoming Superman by Joe Dispenza are number one really good books, but you know, he talks about how he healed his back. Yes. Because his back thing wasn't fake. I mean, you can talk yep. about that. Yeah. Like, so I guess what his story was that he broke his neck, his neck and his back. And it was mm -hmm. actually like, not just like, not just like, you know, a nerve or something like that. Like it was broken bones mm -hmm. in his neck. And he was laying, I think, face down um, for a period of time. And he came to the conclusion, like I can sit here and just sit here and not do anything, or I can mentally heal my, my neck and back. And so he went through this meditation where he was visualizing his back and his neck being rebuilt and healed. And he, without surgery, fixed his entire neck and fixed his entire back. And those were broken bones. And it took a while. It took, it took a, a while. few months. Yeah, it took a yeah. while. But he just sat there and did the meditation every day, every day, over and over and over. So there's really something to this kind of stuff. And again, like, it really comes down to the self-awareness plug that I keep going with. If you truly understand that you are loving awareness, having the human experience. And when I say loving awareness, it means you're a microcosm of God, like having a human experience, which means you have beautiful, unbelievable powers to do unbelievable things while you're here. And I know that's a far out concept for a lot of people, super far out, but I think that's where we're heading. That's what Wim Hof is able to do when he tells his body to heat up. When he can, when he can put his hand in the air and just tell his hand to heat up, you know that's just the tip of the iceberg with this kind of stuff. And we're mm -hmm. seeing again with Joe where people are healing their bodies of cancer and stuff like that when they're giving love to the area. So it's all about love healing. Love is healing everything. So if you're loving awareness, you have the capability of healing everything in your body. I believe in a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I I've, I've uh, said before on the show that I think that every person has a divinity within them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if there's like, personally, I don't know if there's like a God necessarily, or if there's just a God within us, or mm -hmm. we're able to tap into some God-like feature uh, that allows us to do stuff that we didn't think was normal. Yeah, Where for sure. Like, that is like some pure magical stuff. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> sorry, Jesus. Right. I didn't want him to hear what you're saying. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> is here. That, that, I think that's what he tapped into, right? Like, mm -hmm. like Jesus was, he, he was the most gangster dude that figured this out. That's what I think. <laughs> You know, and I, I came from a very um, rough upbringing of, of Catholic church stuff. So I became very anti-God, very 
anti-Jesus even. Like I didn't want anything to do with religion. But then once I came full circle, understanding what this all really was, it made so much sense what Jesus was able to do. He was tapping into all of these things that we were kind of just getting into. And he was able to heal the blind literally and heal people with leprosy literally through the power of love. And, and I think that's uh, where we're all really getting to. It's going to be cool. And I think as we keep elevating ourselves in, in, in this loving way and we start acting from this space too and then eventually creating from this space, like from this divine space, and then children will even be more profoundly powerful. They'll have more mm. gifts. than. And I think a lot of children do have those gifts in, in a lot of ways, but we, we remove the creativity from them in, in a lot of ways when, when they get older and they go through school and stuff like that. So if we enforce their creativity and enforce this like, these gifts and this this uh these godlike powers who knows what can uh, happen maybe we'll fly one day you yeah, said go ahead i was gonna say um you, you said um you know it, being present and then uh giving whether uh, a body part or something uh love and light so like in an actual physical injury i'm assuming you can give your mind love and light for whatever maybe stress or something like that mm-hmm. So then is it the lack of love and light that's causing some of these issues or is it just we're so distracted that like we're we're kind of messing ourselves up? Yeah, that's what I think it is. I think it's just there's two set there's two two types of people. I think there's just consciousness and then there's ignorance. And that's all there really is. So I think most people are operating from just an ignorant space a lot of times. And that ignorance is driven through the ego and insecurities and or fear. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be hard to keep your body healthy and fulfilled and full of love when you're operating from that space. And the more conscious you become, the the more love you are. And then you can really do some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And what about like long-term injuries? Uh, I think all that stuff is healable. Like, honestly, like, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, you know, it's one, one I'm working on right now that's actually been kind of tough is my plantar fasciitis. I haven't been able to heal that immediately. <laughs> but um, it has gotten better. But um, I think I think all that stuff is definitely feasible. I'm a true believer in all that kind of stuff. I, I really do. Um, it's just about the belief. You know, right. how much do you really believe it? How much faith do you have within yourself? And like I said, like a lot of times, even when, like uh, I manifest things, like actual things, and they pop up in two days later, there is still a part of me that's like, I can't believe that actually happened, or I still can't believe it. So I know I still have quite a bit of work to do to mm-hmm. really become a uh, full believer myself in many ways. Tell us more about this plantar fasciitis. What's going on? <laughs> well, you know what I did is like, uh, like, like probably most people, you know, I, I was like, you know, I'm done with the shoes, and I, I, I'm, uh, I'm always like 100% in everything <laughs> that I do. So I'm like that guy that's like, going full throttle on my bare feet and uh and i was doing epic shit i was like this is great and i was doing it for a while and then i was doing this one exercise where it was literally like good like foot foot agility skills mobility skills and i was like hopping on one thing hopping over hopping down and doing like this box drill on one leg and all of a sudden i just i I just injured it really hard one time and i still like kept fucking with it and playing with it and it was plantar fasciitis and it just kind of stayed there and Mm. those always take a while because like it starts to feel better and then i'll go for a run or i'll do something explosive and the next day i was like fucking crippled and so i kept doing that type of shit for a while as opposed to like hey why don't you like walk for a little bit and then like ease into it it took my girl to tell me who's a physical therapist she's like this is what you need to do so uh she showed me a lot of really fantastic like just foot exercises and then Mm -hmm. like really playing with like how much stress you really give it and then back off and you know be smart about it essentially what are some of those things that you're doing um so she actually you won't be able to see it but Mm -hmm. like so essentially just like pushing the big toe down Mm. 
And then pushing, oh, my foot just cramped up, actually. And then pushing it down like oh. this. Yeah, the big toe thumbs up. Push, yeah, exactly, down, and then like that. And then she, uh, she taught me how to spread my toes, too. Yep, nice. See, I can spread them really good now, too. Look at that. I you know, right? Strength. That's good. And that's the, the uh, toe one. spreaders are pretty good. Yeah, I got some of those. No, I haven't. Toe spread things, the correct toes. Oh, pretty... yes, yes. I wear, I wear a spacer almost to bed every time with yeah. my big toe. Yeah, yeah it works pretty good. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. those a lot. Yeah, I, I got really into taking care of my feet. I do roll my feet out every morning. That's a big one. I do jump rope every day for my mm -hmm. feet. That's another big one. And I have those bungees in my garage. You might have seen where I hop on that. Like kind of, mm -hmm. um, it feels like a trampoline. Yeah, your workouts are always awesome. Yeah, Whenever I see them, I'm like, I want to work out. Like That's oh, why man. I was asking you. I was like, what was this circuit that you did the other day? I, you know, yeah, I, like, I want to do that. That's kind of fun. Man. Like, I've been really loving the mace work because it is meditative. It's kind of like a flow. It's a dance. Yep, yep. Have you guys gotten to the mace work yet? Where you I haven't done much of it, no. Oh man, I mean, I've done a, a class a of it before on it, but I've never... Yeah. I didn't do it like at any consistency. It's cool once you get into it. I actually have this guy that reached out, and he's going to be sending me these custom uh, maces and these huge sledgehammers that he welds himself. I'm really excited to get these Who in. Who is he? Um, <laughs> we got. We should actually plug him because he's really dope. Let this me, is let me sick. try to find him real quick. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, that looks great. Yeah. Jeff. Oh, yeah. Yep. Man, your place seems fucking awesome. A little playground. <laughs> yeah. 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 You looked like a. You looked like a baby right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Training the tips. Yeah, the jump rope, I've been luck because we've been getting into a lot of foot stuff too, man. And the jump rope has been something I've been oh, loving doing. Board squats. So usually every every workout, today was that was obviously a leg day, mm -hmm. but every workout I always kind of open up with those key exercises, the tib bar, the jump rope, and stuff like that. And then I'll still do like some bodybuilding stuff, but like I said, the unilateral shit like that as mm -hmm. opposed to like, and that's the mace. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. But yeah, who's the mace guy? Let me find him. Let me find him. He, he was the sweetest dude, too. Mm -hmm. um, let me see. Uh, what was that? What was one thing I was going to mention about what you're... Ah, yes. Um, with, with a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, though, you know, because we bring a lot of, like, we brought people that are super into science onto mm -hmm. the podcast, and they what they do is with everything when it comes to exercise, when it comes to nutrition, they back everything up with pure science, which is really good to understand the logical aspect of things. But I really think like we don't have to live on the that side and we don't have to live on the side that's like totally out there in the ethereal spiritual side. Like you can temper yeah, you don't want to believe uh, Jesus is going to save you if you just jump off the side of a building. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's like a lot of these things, there's so many things that we don't understand, which is why this stuff is good because if you can allow your logical brain to turn off for a little bit and even attempt to try some of these things, you might uncover a lot of really cool shit for yourself. But some people, I and I used to be like this, I used to be so science-based, so research-based that I'd hear something, I'd be like, well, where's the fucking research to back this up? I don't see any science to back this up. This is just some person talking about mm -hmm. this. Not worth my fucking time. And that'll close you off from a lot of stuff. So. I just want to mention I these think, logical guys. And, I, and I was in that same boat. I remember when I would even show up to some of these meditations when I was younger, and I was so judgmental. Yep. I, I, was, I was like totally that guy and uh, did not have a good time. I was everything that like they were singing and saying. I was just, I was not into it. You know, everyone's got to find their own path eventually. But I wonder if this guy made the one that we have in the gym because it looks similar. Strong Grip Metal Master. Yeah, thank you. He this is the is sweetest name. dude. Like, I shot him a message. I just wanted to buy one because my buddy had one that he that he uh, custom made for him. That's so mm -hmm. cool. And so I hit him up. I'm like, hey, man, I would love to get because I want a 35-pound mace. 
and the one that I was swinging is a 25 pounder and I was like you know this is getting kind of easy so uh, I wanted to get a 35 pounder mm. so he's gonna make me a 35 pounder he's making these custom fucking like Thor hammers too because you can mm. do the clubs the clubs are really dope too it's wow. a whole nother thing there's clubs or there's the kettlebells there's the mace work so there's some really cool ones out there that you can I have start some hammer like things in the in the gym but I don't have any I just have a really small mace and that's about it mm. yeah they're fun they're really cool and I think again like they can really get into like a flow meditative state we do have a hammer that looks just like that one in the middle right there mm -hmm. boom yeah. mm. and that thing's like 40 pounds 50 pounds oh like damn that. that's dope that's heavy yeah. that, that's almost that'd be like I don't think I could do that at all and it's, but it's got a short handle so it's like it's, it is you have to be you really have to hang on to that little guy <laughs> 50 pounds is incredibly heavy that's a heavy one. Like, like right now, I, I like I can probably do a good twenty-five pounder in one hand, mm. and I really feel it in my my elbows after a little bit. He he actually makes those ones, and he's like re recycled like things, and he fills us up with like like mm. water. It's cool. Oh, get, that's cool. Yeah, get creative. So they're really shit. cool clubs. Yeah, and he he's really metal. You can tell. He like has some sick videos where he's like having these huge axes and like just fucking chopping shit. You know, I think some of the stuff that you're bringing up, like some of the stuff that you have written on your, uh, on your, uh, like refrigerator or the the list that you have, mm. I think some of these things that kind of remind me of just like hygiene. You know, mm. it's kind of like you got like spiritual, mental uh, hygiene. Mm. And I think if you think about like an average person, like you know, are how many people like are listening right now that uh, take just a couple moments to just completely be by themselves and, and uh, have silence. Uh, I'm guilty. I don't Same. really ever do that. Um, I do go on the cold plunge, and I guess that's the only time yeah. that I literally have to myself where I'm completely alone and I'm alone with my own thoughts. Even when I'm running, I'm listening to music or something. Um, but that is a good experience for me. I am out in nature and stuff. But I think some people aren't even exploring yeah. some of that. So just imagine, you know, somebody listening, and they maybe they uh, maybe they don't believe in some of the woo-woo stuff, but, hey, could you believe it that, taking 10 minutes and being by yourself and with yourself and with your own thoughts could really be productive. And could you figure out a way to do it by being intentional with breathing? Yeah. Cause maybe just sitting there just sounds like it sucks to you for whatever reason, but maybe you can do it through some breath work. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably the best approach for a lot of people because, um, the city, I think the, the reason why people can't approach this is because most people have the intrusive negative thoughts. So it's it's they're more so escaping most of the day, and and they're not aware that they're escaping, right? They don't realize that every time they're going for these these stimulation hits, that it's because they're anxious, and this anxiety is driven from like a really deep deep space of like unworthiness in a lot of ways, or insecurities and or fear. So that that first set of stillness when they try to just sit still, it's mm -hmm. wild. So it's really great to like use the run use the cold, use the breath, I feel, because um, it won't be as intrusive for a lot of these people. Um, and, and they can really like kind of move in that direction because it's sitting at first, it's still for a lot of these uh, uh, individuals. It's just so hard because the thoughts are just wild, like really aggressive, really negative, um, really, really fearful thoughts. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of nice to stack it with some type of movement, cold or breath. Even just laying down on the ground, you know, you might think like, oh, this pad is a little bit uncomfortable or oh, my, the wrinkle in my shirt feels weird mm -hmm. or all kinds of things run through your mm -hmm. mind because the as much as we want to try to shut the mind down or slow it down it, it's always it's always at work it's always at work even when we're sleeping it's at work 
Well, it's interesting. You know, I have this this theory on the ego too. Like, so since we're not the mind, I feel like a lot of times when we when we operate from from only the mind and and we don't know how to get out of this like this fear driven uh, lifestyle, we then uh, manifest and create the ego, right? And uh, and and the ego's built from a low vibrational place. And uh, people have relied on this ego to protect themselves, but it's unfortunately like it, it stops them from actually doing great things. It's because it's coming from a place of fear. So I think that's what everybody battles with when they really start working and talking to themselves. So I always use the analogy of, or the, the remember that cartoon where it has the, the person and then there's the devil <laughs> or the angel and then the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, well, once you become aware that you have, you're a soul, so the soul is the angel. The avatar is the avatar, mm-hmm. right? And then the devil's the ego. And so that's that dialogue that you're consistently having, like, hey, I should work out today. And then it's like, start Monday. That's the ego. <laughs> like, it's like when you go to lay down and do breath work, be like, it's cold, I'll do it later. And, and like, you get up and you do it later. And the brain has always been like relying on that motherfucker, the mm-hmm. ego, for, for protection. So it only kind of knows to listen to that guy. <laughs> and so he'll listen to that. Your avatar is going to keep listening to that guy all the time until. It builds a relationship with mm-hmm. this guy. And how do you build a relationship with that guy? And that's by getting present. That's by becoming love. So by becoming still. And, uh, and the more you connect to that higher self, that soul, the ego dissolves. It can't exist in that realm. It dissolves. And I think Joe Dispenza mentions that too. They can see it on a brain scan mm-hmm. that the ego or what the ego is or in a, in a wavelength literally dissolves while they're meditating. While they're meditating. And isn't that what psychedelics can provide too? They do the same thing. The, the ego also dissolves on psychedelics as well. So there's really something here. So everybody that relies on this ego and they even identify with the ego, that's who they're listening to. But that thing's built out of fear. It's all. It's all it makes a lot of sense. Like it's, I think it has to do with the left and right brain. Mm-hmm. You know, starting to communicate, come together and communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that was a big moment for for me understanding that that i that i'm uh, i'm not the ego and what's even cool too is i think you get to the point where you no longer acknowledge that there is an ego because it's, it's a manifestation you don't even acknowledge it anymore you don't give it any power mm-hmm. and uh, i'm starting to dabble with that a little bit as well like not even acknowledging that there is this thing that i've created manifested within my mind called the ego when you say you don't acknowledge it what do you mean exactly um even like like say it's my ego mm-hmm. because I, I think the ego and the brain are the same thing to be honest mm-hmm. you're right does that make sense right no, I, I get it so you don't like you don't separate it from yourself right okay. yeah exactly i don't create like this whole other thing that's just a whole other thing you know it's like just like the inception thing you mm-hmm. keep like zooming <laughs> out so the ego is just another thing and maybe the ego can even create its own ego who knows so it's like you start just like removing that part and just the brain. Mm-hmm. I liked what you were you were mentioning earlier, right after, I don't know if it was before or after we did the breath work, but we were talking about how like, you know, this stuff allows you to be present and it actually allows you to go through your day. And sometimes like mm-hmm. you'll go, you'll walk up to the fridge and then you'll catch yourself be like, wait, wait, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not hungry. Why am I here? What am I, why did I, why am I opening the fridge right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you really start to zoom out. Exactly. Cause you have these routines that you'll just naturally be going through if you've built in a routine mm-hmm. and it's just like, you're kind of like a robot. Like you go to the fridge, yep. you see that there, you take it to the couch, you eat it while watching something. Yep. But when you become present, you start doing some of these breathwork practices, cold plunging, et cetera. 
you're like, wait, why am I why scrolling? Why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, like I've been scrolling for the past five minutes. This is useless. And that, that buffer is huge. That's when we can get a chance to kind of like, whoa, step outside of it, right? And most people right now, they don't have the capability of that buffer. They don't know how to get that, like that, just that little bit of space in between their person and their actual self. Mm-hmm. And, and if you really do remove the identity of, of this self, it makes it really easy to look at it from a really wonderful objective way and you see it as literally retraining it. Like it's like uh, almost like a monkey mind. It's like, or a child, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so then you can really just start like approaching it and and do it through love, never shame or guilt, right? Like, so when he messes up and like does something that doesn't serve him, I can be like, well, that's okay. Let's pick ourselves up and maybe let's handle it a little bit differently, you know? But if we identify with, that self Mm -hmm. and it messes up them we're like i'm a piece of shit Mm -hmm. i'm these things right it's like it we turn on ourselves it's kind of wild so if you can separate and then like be really kind to the the avatar when it goes through a moment of like messing up Mm -hmm. um it's it you can you can uh, make some profound changes very very quickly with with many of your behaviors through just being loving towards it as opposed to like shaming it if we are just the avatar uh, who or what are we? If you can you say that again? Sorry. So like, if this right here is just an avatar, like who or what are we? You're a soul having a human experience. Got it. Because <laughs> you kept saying it, and I'm just like, well, shit. Who's driving? Yeah. You know, this thing? the soul is the okay. soul is yeah, which is who you actually are, which is loving awareness. That's because like, that's 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 beautiful. That's where you go when you also meditate is to that remembering that space where you were nowhere, nobody, no time, that blackness or that space where you're like, wait, where am I? That's that's the oneness. That's the loving awareness space. And then you pulled yourself, you zoomed out from the avatar and then you can like, oh, okay. And then you're like, oh, I got to retrain this motherfucker because he's like a pain in the ass right now. And I always use this analogy of like, you're the um, you're the dog in the dog pound, but you're also the dog rescuer. So the dog mm-hmm. rescue goes to the the dog pound and it sees that shitty dog, uh-huh. right? And and he's like, oh, I'm gonna rescue this dog. Opens the kennel, the dog even tries to bite the rescuer. Doesn't know any better. You bring it home. It like pees on the carpet, chews on the fucking couch, pulls on the leash. And what do you do? Well, you have to give it lots of love. You have to feed it good food. You have to take it on long walks. You have to treat it really nice. You have to have mm-hmm. patience for it. And that's what this is. That's what everybody needs to start doing is they have to be the dog rescuer and the dog. And it's the same thing. You have to be the parent and the child. And mo- and, and, there, and you can also see it as this way. Like you, there's two sets of parents. There's one parent when the child's freaking out in the backseat of the car. They, uh, they pull over. They take the kid and like, hey, what's wrong? You're safe. You're okay. Let me hear what you have to say. Let's feel your emotions, right? They actually listen to the child and the, the other parent who gives their child an iPad. Mm. So what are you doing to your avatar? Are you actually sitting and feeling their emotions when he's anxious, when he's afraid, when he's insecure, when he's going through all this stuff? Or do you just distract him with this fucking phone, with food, with people, with drugs, with TV? And that's what people do. They don't ever listen to their person when they're actually crying out, I need help, I need help, I need help. But because they don't have the awareness that they're not the person, they can't get out of it. So that's why this shift is everything. It really is everything, I think. It's like, because you, you can really come outside of it. And then it's funny. It's like people, for some reason, if it's not them, they take better care of it too. It's like, you ever yep. notice, like you'll feed your dog the best food in the world, but you'll eat like a piece of shit. So it kind of helps like when you realize like, oh, this this poor person needs my love. I'm going to start feeding them really good. I'm going to take them on walks. 
Um, do you ever remember there was this ep- this this clip going around, um, and there was this video, and everybody got it wrong. Everybody got the video wrong, and it was this this video this guy made, and he said, "You ever just look at your purse?" And he said, "Wow, how did I end up with a person like mm-hmm. you?" And everybody took that clip. And they made it about their significant other. Yeah. So that wasn't about... No, it was about his person. I got that wrong. Oh, shit. It was about his person. Wow. You ever just look at your purse and be like, wow, how did I end up like you? I'm so lucky. You're the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a meme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was talking about his avatar. He's talking about this sentient being that deserves the love, that deserves the respect, that deserves to be fed right and gone on walks and treated properly and all those type of things. So That's some fight club shit right there. <laughs> yeah, man. You know... <laughs> Real quick on that point, you know how everybody in the past few years, everybody's been talking about self-love, self-love, self-love. And it has gotten a little bit annoying. But in the true aspect of that self-love thing, the place where it makes a lot of like, like you you have to agree like this is important is what you just said. Where people will like, parents especially, will take better care of their children, will feed their children. Like they'll take better care of their children than they do themselves. Yeah. And partially because maybe they they feel like they have a lack of time. And we were just talking about this on an episode recently, but like... If you do care about yourself, then you would try to really etch out that time to go take a walk mm-hmm. or even walk with your kids mm-hmm. or feed yourself the right foods or do the right things for your body if you really do care about yourself. I agree. So that's huge. And, and what's cool about that is, is that we do the best way to actually make change and, and actually show our kids like how to actually live is by leading by loving example. Um, you know, like your kids or watch what you do they really really do and and even like our women are going to watch what we do uh, we really set the stage for creating a space for them to be their authentic selves and if we can lead with that with vulnerability with authenticity if we can truly dance without being insecure if we can truly do all of these things our authentic self we we give permission in some way for our children to follow, for our women to follow, and then that's when the world really changes, is when men really fucking be their divine self. How do you deal with bad news and or negative stress? Uh, I, 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 what I do is I, I, I more so, I break it down to like, to like how I'm feeling as opposed to what I think. So if uh, if something's happening, I, I instead of like trying to like come up with what I think about it, because I think then the the ego gets involved in a lot of ways, because then I'm judging. So I just try to simplify it as much as I can, and and, and like, oh, okay, this is just how I feel, and then and then what can I do for this feeling, and and I just tie love to it in some way. I bring always bring it back to love. I always and, and that's what I do with everything. I consistently. Bring it back to love. Like I go through it, and like, oh, okay. How can I have more empathy? How can I have more acceptance? How can what I? What about have more? a situation like today where your flight got screwed up? Like, did that throw you off a bit? Did you get like frustrated, or were you able to kind of just like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. This happens all the time. Yep. It's part of travel. Yeah. Well, I think what what I lean on to or always fall into is seeing things as opportunities, right? So, like, when you ask for courage. Um, you don't get courage. You give opportunities to display courage. When mm. you ask for patience, you don't get patience. You get opportunities to have patience. So, like, that's the type of stuff. And it doesn't mean I don't have the feeling, right? Because my, my person, my avatar, still has these feelings of frustration. He's pissed that he had to sit there and, 
He got fucking, he's pissed. He doesn't want to fucking sit in this fucking place anymore. He wants to get where he wants to get. He's excited to do these things, and now he can't. And so I just be like, hey, man, here's a good opportunity for you to practice what you preach. Here's a good opportunity for you to be okay with it. Just sit in it. And then I sit in that. I let them sit in that, too. I let them feel those emotions. I don't shut them off. I don't distract them. I let them sit with that anxiousness and be like, see, it ain't that bad. And he's like, all right. I actually do talk to him a lot, which is kind of, sounds kind of schizophrenic. But I feel, <laughs> I feel, um, I feel like that, that's the best way is actually verbal, verbal chatter with, with my human. Um, I, I, I speak to him all the time when he's going through it, especially if he gets upset about something. I'm like, what's this about? Like, what, do you, what is this really about? And then when I have those conversations, I can always bring him like, ah, bro, that's your ego talking. That's actually not how you feel. And then he can see it. And then he's like, yeah, you're right. That's not how I actually feel. That's my ego. Following along with what you were just saying there was confusing for a split second. I was like, he, he, ah, okay. It's, just, it's a separate thing. That's, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's really helped me. It's, it's profoundly, you know, it helps me become the witness, become the observer of, right? Because remember, we're consciousness. Mm-hmm. But that, actually, that's a, that's a really cool tactic of what you're mentioning there. Because if you think about it, it's like, you're separating yourself from the thing that's going on. Like mm-hmm. you're like, let's take an let's take a bird's eye view of yes. this situation rather than just being like something really fucking bad happens. Rather than just being in it, getting fucking angry, blowing up, back out. Back <laughs> out. Fucking back out of and it. See it for what it is. The problem is we make it about us. The ego tends to make everything about itself. Right? Like so you can you can even use like say your your girls like acting like anxious and upset right and a lot of times in those situations we're like oh why you know why can't she figure it out or why like why is she bringing her energy into this and doesn't i do all these things or something like that and she's still not happy right something like that say you do a lot for your girl and she can't figure it out and you start creating like a checklist Mm. i'm like i do this i do this i don't feel appreciated so you're making how she's feeling about you and that's the ego because then you're judging her in a lot of ways so what you can do is is like understand that it's not about you and then you can then see the love in her as opposed to the anxiety in her. And I, I learned this. This is a really great tactic too, dealing with people who have like severe anxiety or anger, just people in general that you meet in, in person, like like hard, like rough people that just are anger all the time. If you can see um, the child in them, that love in them, we're, we're, we're mirrors. But if you only see the anxiety in them, if you only see the anger in them, that's all they're going to see within themselves. So what I try to do is like always try to make sure like one of the things I always actually tell myself is keep your heart open. I always say, I'm like, keep your heart open. If I feel it closing even a little bit, like I get frustrated with somebody or I get impatient with somebody, like I make it about me. And I'm like, right now that person's going through their own thing. So how can, how can I see the love that they're trying? And so I see that they're trying their best and that's the love I see in them. And then how can I support them as opposed to like, making it about me. And uh, that has worked profoundly, profoundly with individuals that I've worked with, with relationships, all that kind of stuff. It's been really cool. Like, you know, and then it's like simple things, like especially with women, like praising them is a really powerful way to get women to shift out of their their negative thoughts and behaviors. Men, it's a little bit more about dialogue, I feel, and conversations. Um, so yeah, it's just about learning how to see love in people and bring that out of them when they're, when they're having a moment instead of making it about ourselves and have you um had clients that were parents that you've i don't know just take them through breath work and then they've reported back saying like 
since we've been working together, I've actually been able to communicate better or like our relationships better or hundred percent. My toddler now isn't crying as much because I'm like getting down to their level. And, yes. Okay. That's, that's the biggest thing is that because again, it goes back to leading by example. So all these <clears throat> parents actually end up teaching their children the breath work and how they regulate their emotions and how they sit with their emotions, how they can zoom out and, and, and hold space for themselves. Cause that's what you're doing. You're essentially, instead of giving them your person the, the iPad or distracting them with all bullshit, you're, you're going into a place like you guys just did and you created a space for your person to feel. And that's really cool. So that's where everybody needs to get to. So when we feel anxiety, when our child, children feel anxiety, we're like, all right, well, here's a space for you to feel these emotions. You're safe. Everything's okay. Let's have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And so teaching parents that how to regulate their emotions, most of the times if they're really gnarly and crazy, their children are really gnarly and crazy, right? Monkey see, monkey do. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they start becoming more present, more calm, more zen, uh, and they start teaching this to their children, the children pick up on it really, really quick. It's really cool. And, 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 and couples that do this stuff together, it's a profound, profound experience. When they're meditating together, you meditate with your partner in the morning, it's, it's a whole other ballgame. Where was this fucking information when I was a kid? <laughs> was there? It was always there. It's ancient shit, actually. Yeah. Say, yeah, it's been there forever. We just... Yeah, we just... Well, you know, we're in the Matrix. Man. Did Oprah have it at all? I watched a lot of Oprah as a kid mm. with my mom. But I, don't I mean, my this. parents would just yell at me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's like... Uh, it's, it's just they didn't have the tools or the yeah. awareness, right? It's a... Another thing, too, and this is really far out stuff, too, is like I acknowledge that there is a system, that there is a system that uh, keeps you anxious and and creates anxiety within this world. And this system also supplies you with never ending amounts of stimulation for you to cope with this anxiety that they actually created. I believe there is a system. And I think that's a powerful thing to really pay attention to, not to become worried about it and not to give your power to it, but to simply be aware that there is a consumerism system that makes you anxious and then you consume makes you anxious and then you consume whether that be fucking actual buying product your phone porn whatever the case may be and so it's like this this money loop Mm. that this business creates and if they can pump out anxiety all day long just pump out anxiety and and make people feel less than and insecure and afraid then it's all in the news all day long you know fear 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 here you don't look good enough here's this here's that and at the same time, they're feeding you processed food and fucking garbage and getting you hopped up on every type of stimulation there is. It's a wonderful system to make a lot of money off of people, you know, because all that stimulation is a coping mechanism. So I, I, I make that a big part of um, with my clients is, hey, I believe there is a system and it's a very good system. It's been around for a long time mm. and it's neither good or bad, but it's there. And so pay attention to it. Like, don't fucking... Don't be played by it, you know? Pay attention to the food that they provide. Pay attention to the shitty music that they provide. Pay attention to the shitty TV that they provide. Step outside of it, and then you, you're good to go. You just said one of my favorite words that we've ever had on this podcast, porn. You, you, <laughs> because we've had discussions about this with different people, and different mm. people have different ideas. Some guys don't think it's that big of a deal. Mm. Some people, like myself, because I got on it when I was young, I... I, I've been able to get rid of it, but I didn't realize it was a problem until a few years later. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to get out of my porn addiction. And I'm thankful that I didn't. I'm thankful that I got out of that. But what have you noticed or well, what is your take on men and porn use and how you see it affecting men and mm-hmm. life, et cetera? And what are your suggestions? Well, it's a, it's a heavy, heavy, uh, heavy um, point of view. 
Um, porn, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but just porn in general is of the probably lowest vibration to consume, I feel, because uh, unfortunately, and I, and I think this is a heavy topic, unfortunately, like one of the biggest businesses in the world is the trafficking of children and women. And those are, those are the people that are in the porn industry. And so you're consuming a very, very, very low vibrational energy. And it's also synthetic. It's also desensitizing. That's why most people, when they watch porn, it does something to the brain where like regular sex all of a sudden becomes boring. Then they're watching something a little bit more extreme. You know, before you know it, you're watching like 10 dudes run a train on a girl. And before you know it, you're watching a donkey on a girl. And before you know it, you're watching, you know, gay porn. You don't know if you're gay or straight. You know, that's where it kind of goes. It kind of leads to. So, um, and also it's just of the most lowest vibration. None of those people want to be in that industry. Even if they think they do, they don't want to be in that industry. And so that's the type of, I, I think it's really important to understand your energy exchange with things every day too. That's something that I take very seriously within myself. You know, since everything is energy, another woo woo thing, but everything is energy. I'm energy, you're energy, everything is energy. How are you exchanging this energy each and every day? Um, is it low vibration or is it high vibration? So porn is, I think, one of the lowest vibrations you exchange with every single day. So if you're going to give your energy to that, that's what you're going to get back, is which like it's some some dark stuff. Mm. So I think that's where that heads. So that was an easy switch for me. I I was never really fully into porn, but I would still watch it every now and then. Um, but soon as I I learned about the trafficking of women and children and how they were funneled into the porn industry, it was like it was like done mm. i was like oh never fuck that shit that was it was a very very easy switch yeah and so that was my my big awakening with that uh up until then i didn't think too much about it i didn't think it was awful I, of course i probably definitely enjoyed it multiple mm -hmm. times but as soon as i became aware of like that heavy heavy stuff it was an easy like just okay no go it's yeah. just yeah like it was like done this guy Rolo Tomasa came on the podcast and when he talked about it, he, I've never heard somebody mention it, but like, it makes a lot of sense. He mentioned how it's like a form of sedation mm -hmm. for men. Um, I mean, even I noticed when I was, a <laughs> in heavy porn use, I'd utilize it when I was like anxious or sad or whatever. And I just feel real, <laughs> you know, mm, just like, <laughs> just, giggity. I can just <laughs> get to sleep now. I don't want to do anything. You know, you don't feel, you don't want to go work out. You don't want to do something hard. You don't want to. <laughs> You don't want to get shit done. You just want to fucking be lazy, chill, yeah, and yeah. wallow in that shit, right? Yeah. So it's like, I think for a lot of, especially people who got on it young, my generation who managed on that shit when they were teenagers, mm. it's a total, this massive level of sedation that stops them from actually going after the real thing. Yeah. You know, you're okay with that. So why do I need it? That's do I need a, that, it? that is a tough one for the generation that was kind of introduced to porn at a young age. Like I was lucky where um, I didn't have a computer. Porn wasn't like the internet wasn't even a real fucking mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. dial up. Nobody's, I mean, nobody was doing that stuff. Um, but I, I know friends that are like 10 years younger than me. And the first time they masturbated was to porn, mm -hmm. which is wild. That Imagine being a yeah. kid and the first thing you're doing is masturbating to like real adult sex where yeah. the first time I did it, I didn't even know what happened. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? I remember it happened and I, like, I didn't know what happened. And I walked downstairs my whole family's like watching the Simpsons. And I, <laughs> I like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck was that? And then I like went back upstairs and did it again. 
man. Um, so, you know, it was like, that was like, I, I seen this episode. I'm yeah, going to be right back. And I remember coming back down again and being like, what the fuck was that again? I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is, this is crazy. I was an animal for a few months after that, but like, I mean, it was all in my bedroom and I, had, I didn't even have thoughts. There was no thoughts. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was kind of a nice way to like, uh, you know, explore myself. I think yeah. a, a natural way to explore myself. It's a yeah. natural way. Mm -hmm. no. Yeah, it was hard for the kids that grew up with like the internet right in their face and that accessibility to like this type of information. Yeah. When you were in Los Angeles, did you get caught up in the system? Do you feel like at all? Mm, I almost did. I, I, I felt like I got a bit over sexualized um, because I think the whole world is over sexualized, actually. Um, I was married to Steph and I remember a, a part of our relationship I thought like oh I would be down to have an open relationship I'd be down to bring women into this relationship um, and, and I thought like I'd be okay with that and then as I became and, and, and you know and we actually like tried it like once or twice and I remember just again listening to my, my feelings I remember eating afterwards I'm like oh this is not this is not how this isn't it you know, and I really sat with that as well. And then I, I just became aware of like what a divine union is and what that is all about and like and like how special that can be and like building that type of um, connection. And I realized like a lot of times what I was looking for through these other sexual adventures was a high. It wasn't actually a connection. And a lot of it had to do with ego. Right. And so once I kind of realized like, oh, that's that's not even a connection. It became very easy for me to no longer want that in my, my relationships uh, at all and would never even think about it. But I, I did have a part in my life where I thought I wanted those things and I did explore those things. And I came out on the other side like, oh, hell no, this isn't part of the divine. And I, and I think as as you become more divine, as you become more love and you and your partner are both elevating on that that cosmic level, it's not even interesting. There's like regular sex with some person to come into your union. No fucking way. It just mm -hmm. wouldn't even, you couldn't give someone to me. I'd be like, no, 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 you don't, you can't. This is a sacred space. And for me, to, for even you to be in here, I would have to like cosmically become like, you know, intimate with you in all these different ways. And that takes all this time and all this love. And you have to be raising your vibration at that same time for you to, and why would I do that when I'd be doing that with my partner? Yeah. So. Um, I think, yeah, in L.A. for a little bit, a was, little bit. I was know. that during the time when you would uh, post a lot of those drawings? Yes. Okay. Not the drawings, oh. actually. I, I, that was another DMT trip. This is really far <laughs> out. So I was. The drawings was, were sick, by yeah, the way. The, I, I still love <laughs> the drawings. The drawings, I, man? The alpha, are, they, are they still alpha, up there? Yeah, Alpha okay. Changeling, I think it's called, or something like that. But I, this was actually a DMT trip. So I was over-sexualized, and I was big on, like, always, like, sh and it didn't come from a bad place. It really came from a very loving, innocent place. I, like, I, my woman was hot. I loved promoting it, but not, and, and I remember getting emails from people, like, you guys swingers? And I'm like, no. Mm. And I used to be almost offended by it. I didn't know I was giving out that type of information. I didn't know I was giving off that vibe. And so I smoked DMT one time, right? And it was one of my most profound trips. I smoked DMT. It was one of my most profound trips. It's when I became no longer, like, into that type of shit. And the image was Betty Boop. Black, oh, and, yeah. white, black and white Betty, Betty Boop, Boop on DMT. Betty Boop walking through. And she represented Steph. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And she's super sexy. And I'm like, all right, yeah. And then she turns to me. And Betty Boop, who represented Steph, goes... Why don't you keep some of this for yourself? Was the message mm. when I was on DMT, and I was like, "Ooh!" And I felt it. I felt it like on such a level. I was like, "Ooh!" 
And I, I and I even felt like shame and guilt. And Betty Boop goes, no, 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 no you didn't know. You didn't know. But maybe just keep some of this for yourself. Mm. And it was wild. So at that very moment, I, for whatever reason, I was on DMT. But I opened my eyes. And you usually don't open your eyes on DMT. And Steph was actually sitting on the corner of my my bed because she just she was actually there. She was there. Okay, yeah, she was actually there. But and 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 she was like this fucking golden shrine, like like as bright as the sun, just radiating. And uh, yeah, it was like the most beautiful experience of understanding like relationships and divine union and and keeping this stuff sacred, and uh, and taking it seriously. And uh, that was that was the big shift for me when when that DMT trip. It was it was wild. It was crazy that Betty Boop was like, "Yo, keep some of this mm-hmm. shit for you, bro." How many times have you done DMT? Um, in the beginning, I, I mean, I probably could give you a handful. Um, I would say maybe like twenty five times, probably. Woo! <laughs> but I haven't I haven't done really psychedelics in a long time. It's okay. like like um, you, I think I did them more in the beginning because they were my only way to like meditate. Ah, I didn't know how yeah, to do yeah. breath work. I didn't yeah. know how to um, do the other stuff. I didn't know anything about the cold plunge. Mm-hmm. I did cold plunge, but it was all for physical therapy shit, and I was just mm-hmm. getting in, getting out type of stuff. So DMT was m- m- the way I was kind of meditating and going into that quantum field. So, um, But once I learned breath work, I, I haven't smoked DMT actually since I've done breath work. Mm. So, uh, and I find myself very, very rarely even doing mushrooms. Yeah. Like, and if I do them, it's a microdose for me to like, you know, go to Barton Springs and like lay out in the sun and just be a little bit more zen. But yeah, outside of that, I really don't mess around with psychedelics too much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> oh, god, bro! Shit. So good. <laughs> so hey now, Hamlet kind of looks like an asshole. It is, that an, is asshole. an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I love the humor of all this stuff. I, I would <laughs> still, always. And really the thing funny. is, the thing is, I, I still have this humor. It's just that now I became more mindful of like what it puts out there. That's what I mean. It's like just becoming more mindful, more self-aware. So. Just shit like this, like um, I probably wouldn't post anymore just in case like young men were watching and they don't know any better. So I had to just take more responsibility for myself and dropping the hammer. Dropping the <laughs> hammer. Yeah, I used to put shit like that all the time. And you know, I thought like I thought like was like expressing my sexuality in a health way, but I was definitely putting off a vibe and I was definitely over sexualized just by the the culture itself. <laughs> just, oh, that's a nice one. That, that, that one so that good. one I still would post actually. That's a cute one. That's hilarious. Yeah. I actually went through I remember when I had that trip. I went down and I deleted so many pictures mm. of stuff that I had up. And I remember reading them, even reading the text, the context of like the post. And I was like, I can't believe I fucking put this shit up. I am crazy. Now I and, remember. Yeah. I remember seeing your profile. It was years ago. Yeah. <laughs> was okay. Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like up until this point, I'm like, oh, this you're totally... I've, I don't. Yeah, I you probably remember. wanted to hit me up to have a swing fest. You know? <laughs> like that, that stuff is still great. I like the cartoons. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't post oh, it or share man. it anymore. Um, but, but <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah, like there was definitely like a really cool shit. Celebrating. Yeah, like I would have that like in my house or something That's in like so the bathroom. Good. Like have that be bathroom art. Make, make that an NFT. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but mostly, like, yeah, like I, I realized like what I put out there does have an effect on people and I don't want to be contributing to like some of this stuff. And so I had to just become more self-aware in how I operate. Mm. On a really cool aspect of all this stuff, though, as far as breathing, I think that especially uh, especially guys underestimate how big of an effect breathing can make on how long you last in bed. Like, yeah. if, if you... If you nut a little fast, and that that has happened to me in the past before. If you get your say, no, it has. I got you. I've been like eight, like five minutes, and I'm like, oh no, you know what <laughs> I mean? It, it 
but getting the breath and control, like when you know how to like breathe and slow down your breathing and nasal breathe, bro, you can marathon that you shit. The breathing. Yes, let's go. Because you're present. Mm. Well, that too. That's why, because yeah. you're not in your mind. Yeah, that is true. That's all it is. I always tell people, if you want to focus on having some wonderful sex, focus on the person. Mm. If you focus on her, it'll be cosmic. But okay, so there is the aspect of focusing on her, but also if you're someone who's like, like taking short breaths, like you could be focusing on her and you could still still be like, ah! <laughs> right? That happens. Fair enough, yeah, fair she's going to be really hot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But if you can, if you know how to take deep breaths into your diaphragm, slow mm. that shit down, breathe into your nose, calm down, bruh. Yeah, you're good. Opens up a new, at least it opened up a new door for me. Yeah, you can even do breath work with your partner during lovemaking. She might be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, you're all breathing heavy in her face and shit. She's like, just, you ever seen that, you ever seen that like video where it shows what she sees in like, in like, like our bottom face making all these fucked up faces and right. stuff. So yeah, just, I like to imagine us breathing all heavy on it, just like sweating. There's so many just, good ones, dude. I'm sorry, I don't want to. Oh like, my goodness, bro! But is that the? Is those, that, are, those are the planets being anal butt. Yeah, anal, anal beads, anal beads. Earth. Yeah, man. I mean, I still love this shit. That's so good. Dude. I can't I'm just. Oh I'm my lord, these, bro! <laughs> 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 if you guys are listening to this on audio, you're missing out on the video side. Oh, they of this can't shit. see this. I they, thought they were able to see well, this. YouTube will have it, will. but oh, audio they, they will. This is great. Just everybody go follow Justin Lovato. Oh my and goodness! Then scroll for a while. Yeah, I have to scroll for years back. You drew yeah. these? No, no, no. Oh, I okay. wish I would have made and millions. This will just be the last one. I think this will really represent, like, show and like really uh represent like the oversexuality of everything just because of like that reminds me of the guy from the boys yeah. <laughs> i think i even wrote like what did i write heaven what did i put there <laughs> the good life the, the good, good life, life of course suffocating Jeez. but how many it's so fine everybody loved this shit i mean everybody was, was dying so like and i got i definitely got the other part of the the other side of it too we're like hey i love how you celebrate your wife it's really cool mm-hmm. it's beautiful so i got that as well which is what it was authentically that's what it was but can't show this oh one, man but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god is that a holster is that like a it's like, yeah, to, like saddle. A saddle a saddle a saddle there's so many <laughs> fuck dude i found another one oh Sorry. my god <laughs> andrew's having way too much fun now dude, oh my used to goodness be so much fun to see what you were gonna post oh my and then you fast forward to what i'm sharing now yeah. it is so funny <laughs> oh. if anybody just scrolls down I'm like who was this guy and who is he now? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's YouTube, so I don't want to show this one. But if you can imagine a penis and a uh, Cinderella gold slipper, hey man, dude, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> Sorry. This artist was awesome. He was a good artist. That was amazing. Uh, before we <laughs> drop on out of here, just tell us a little bit about what you eat and oh, how, okay. that, how that goes. Mm, okay, and so where's the bowl? Is oh, it? yeah, yeah. The bowl, I think, is in my bag if you okay, did want to grab it. it yeah. um, so the way I approach life is the same way I approach my food, with as much mindfulness as possible. So I try to pay attention to how much I'm consuming, where I purchase my food, um, you know, how it's made, how it's prepared, because everything's energy. So I just try to be very mindful. Like, So if I do eat meat, I make sure it's from a regenerative farm or some type of small farm or a small local store. The same thing with my fruits and vegetables, uh, local farms and stuff like that. 
Um, and then I typically fast most of the mornings. I actually, what I just started recently doing, yeah, you can throw it right there. I just started recently doing is I really, um, after my breath work, is there like the little, oh, it is in there. Perfect. <coughs> so I started, um, doing a lot of papaya in the morning. Papaya? Yeah. I love papaya with Delicious. some lime. Yeah. I do papaya and blueberries after my meditation and my morning cardio. So I do my meditation. I do a little bit of stretching yoga. I go do about an hour of cardio and I do my live chat and then I come home and I do my papaya, my blueberries. And if I feel like I, I want some protein, I'll maybe have like a shake. But usually it's just the fruit. And then I'll have some clients and then I'll um, I'll train and then I'll have a huge, huge smoothie. And that smoothie is uh, like three scoops of protein because um, it's usually the first kind of meal that I'm having, protein that I'm having. Two bananas, raw honey, frozen blueberries, ginger, um, turmeric. Um, what else? What else? A whole avocado. Ooh. Yeah, it's like a huge, huge smoothie. I can throw some greens in there too, if I want. Um, I think there might be one or two other things that I throw in there, but that's usually my first big meal of the day, and that's a pretty dense shake, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then at night, it's usually another uh, a bunch of vegetables stir fry, and I usually have either uh, shrimp or tempeh for my protein. And uh, I just started incorporating red meat again once a week. Because I didn't really know where to get it from. I didn't want to buy from any of the type mm. of farms that were mass producing mm. animals and shit like that. So I found uh, some regenerative farms as of lately, which is really cool. And uh, so I've been actually adding that back in and I feel really good on it. What honest. about some junk food? No? Um, rarely. I don't really eat junk food. If I were to, like, if I were to, like, like if you were to order a pizza, I'd have pizza with you. Mm. But um, just a, so on a particular occasion, you might just eat something just because it's convenient and you're with other people. That's the only the time I do it. Yeah. yeah, I really don't have it in my house. Uh, but I also, it's not a thing. I don't think about it. I really don't have a relationship with food, if that makes sense. Did you ever? Um, in the, the only time I did was after a little bit with bodybuilding. And it wasn't the fact that I had a relationship with food. It was like I just wanted to eat a lot of it. It was mm. almost like I had this habit of just like consuming as much as possible <laughs> for a period of time. So I would like order two pizzas, you know what I mean, like, and destroy both pizzas. Yeah. It was like this really weird phase of like, oh, I'll get two of everything. <laughs> Um, you which gotta. Is, I'm still in that phase. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> but um, for the most part, yeah, it's like I don't think about um, the other food until someone goes, hey, man, like, you want to smoke weed and get a pizza tonight? And I'd be like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll smoke weed and get a pizza tonight. And, and usually still after I have it, though, I'm like, yeah, I, I probably would have rather had some vegetables and some, like, fucking sweet potatoes, if I'm being honest. So I'm, like, falling more into that more yeah. and more and more and less like junk food in general like i really don't i'm not a sweets person so i'm really lucky there i'm a almost salty person so i like if you put a bag of chips in the house i'll crush it mm -hmm. um crush chips all day long i like pizza but chips and french fries is probably my favorite food as far as junk food goes uh, my favorite food though is thai food Thai I really like so Thai food would be like my my junk food choice. Yeah. I probably would go with Thai food. Yeah, I love Thai food too. Mm -hmm. I always good. eat way too much of it every time. Yeah, so. I always get three dishes. I always get the um, <laughs> the red curry. I love the red curry. It's good also. I always get the um, the pad Thai, and uh, and I always get the uh, spicy papaya salad. I get everything really spicy too. You ever Ooh. fuck with those Thai desserts? Like the the like the, it's like um. The fucking sticky rice, the mango, mango and sticky yeah, rice. Oh, yeah, sticky yeah, rice shit. really good. Oh. That, that I will fuck with uh, any day. You bring that over, I'll have that. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Pretty much every episode ends this way where we're just talking, talking about, about food? the food that we want. Yeah, that's dope. After telling people to not eat for like, you know, an entire, entire day. episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I'm a potato person though. I'll cook potatoes every day. Nice. Mm-hmm. So what? Um, like, is that a certain brand? Like, because I, I have, I, I want to say, like, I, I had my sister in law got like what we thought was that, and like she couldn't get it to work, and it was like really cheap or something. But as far the the bowl, I mean, oh, sorry. this, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's a person actually. I ordered off of Etsy. Oh, um, sick. Yeah, I Etsy. Try. I've been digging on Etsy for a while now. It's it has a lot of good shit. Yeah, I try not to do Amazon too much. Hmm. Um, let me find out the person who I ordered mine from. Let me see. Let me see. I just ordered two more, actually, two more samples. That bowl can uh, double as a hat too. I think. Oh right. yeah, and some food. Yeah, put throw Sh- some food in there. Fruit salad. Mm-hmm. Chakra drum is the name. Chakra drum. C H A K. R A drum, soccer drum. Yeah, and I have like a, a really big one. I just ordered um, two more. Oh, wow. Mm, so I have all seven now, which is really cool. Hmm. So, what, like, what does this help with? It was really cool when we were doing that breath work. I wasn't sure what was going on because I was hearing shit coming, like vibrating on both mm. sides of my head. I didn't. I didn't even realize that was what you were doing, but what does that do? Because you see a lot of people utilize that. So what's it supposed so these to do? So these, again, it's going to be woo-woo, heads up. Um, these are all uh, different frequencies, mm-hmm. and um, we are probably closer to sound than we are to matter, I would say, you know, if you believe in the stuff we're talking about, as if you were a loving awareness, a energy, a vibration. So you can use these to really uh, elevate um, your sense of well-being, and um, some of these, um, or most of these, are, are designed to um, um, be a specific frequency for a specific um, energy center or what mm-hmm. you call a chakra. So there's seven energy centers, and they are real. They are a real thing. They, it's a, and so the, they've, uh, they've realized like what, what frequencies really resonate with each individual uh, energy center. So this one particularly is the root chakra, and I have all seven of them. So when I go from round to round normally... I'll start off with this one, and then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. I play each one as oh, we go wow. through each seven rounds because there's seven rounds of breath mm-hmm. work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just to cover all those aspects. And, and some people, um, again, woo-woo stuff, if uh, can be blocked, essentially. And as I mentioned, a lot of people are, are more so blocked in their first three because they're, they're like what they say are the, the primitive three before mm-hmm. you became self-aware, before you became aware of like loving awareness, right? Or else we, we were just savage animals before, right? And so we operated from these three based on survival and security and all these type of things. So most people are still like kind of blocked there. So like they can use these sounds to move energy because you can move energy with sound. And so that's what this is doing in a lot of ways is moving vibrations and sound and energy throughout your body. And you mm-hmm. can use things like sound bowls to kind of get those things moving. I want to add in because you, you're mentioning the woo-woo aspect of that, but like You've heard of like binaural beats? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, same that's shit. A, exactly. It's the same exact thing. Like there's been research to show what hurts, helps people focus, mm-hmm. helps people sleep. Um, there's a whole app based off it. I know Andrew Huberman's talked about it quite a bit, but like this app Brain FM, it has that's different it things you can, can listen remember. to. Yeah. So that's um, what this is. Different just by hurts. Hand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not woo woo at all. Yeah. This stuff's really great. I mean, um, conscious music, I call it, is a, was a profound change in my life as well. You know, paying attention to the frequencies songs use is a big one because some songs, if you don't pay attention to what hurts they're playing at, they actually can make you a little anxious mm-hmm. without you realizing mm-hmm. it. And so it's good to pay attention to like the music that you're listening to, the words, the lyrics, the intentions. 
um, behind those things. Obviously, we like some ratchet shit when we do that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> it, it's wild. Like I used to listen to a lot of that stuff, and then again, it was like from this space that is a little bit angry, right? And and it can be used as a tool that that anger and that type of you know in that way. But then I when I started training with love, uh, I'm a lot stronger. Mm. a lot stronger and i can go a lot farther um, when i'm training to conscious loving music and what i like to do is a lot of times if i find a song that i like i like to like not know the name of the song and then figure out what that song makes me feel and then like give it a word mm. and then usually when i look up the name of the song it matches usually mm. what i felt so you can tell like okay when music tries to actually speak to you what is it saying so I changed my relationship with music about three years ago as well, and um, and everybody loves my music. I play. Mm -hmm. How do you guys like the music I, today? I, I want to ask. Like, how, is that like a playlist? Like, yeah. What I, is that yeah. style of music called so people can search it? And people, I, I mean me. I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> I think you would call it conscious music or loving music or something like that. Meditation music. But I have a all bunch of playlists with some really great stuff. I can send you guys all the playlists. Yeah, please, because that shit was cool. Yeah, yeah it's I really dope. It a lot. Right? I, I'm just like instantly started thinking about like playing it for my son. Oh you man! Know, like, and it's then amazing. hopefully getting good at playing that meditation music, yoga music. If you just mm -hmm. ask your phone to play it, mm -hmm. it will play stuff that's a little similar. To that. Similar, to that. Yeah. 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 Spotify probably. I like listening like to that, that, like shaman, like rainforest type stuff yeah. too, mm -hmm. where you can hear yeah. them chanting and get stuff. a sound bowl for your kid. I'm telling yeah. you, like you can have whenever they're freaking out, have them sit down, and be like, "Hey man, let's do some deep breaths and just play a sound bowl for your kid." Mm -hmm. Boom! Oh, like it's exciting. really cool. Yeah, like mm -hmm. it's it's really simple stuff. Did you guys want to play yeah, it Yeah, yeah. So if you can, just like rotate the, the microphone and then I'll open it up. And then just like, if you can, Mark. Oh, you can just move it like that. Okay. I wasn't sure. I'm going to break it. All right. That should be probably good. Enough. Good spot. Yeah, I'll, I'll mess with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Power project first, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, unbutton your pants. <laughs> We're getting away from that, remember? Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to go deep with it. No, <laughs> no pun. No pun. Power project first going on here today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I, I can imagine, like, how many people watching this. Close your eyes right now and just let it. That's nice. continues i didn't really yeah that's that's it's sick. really cool right i know it's wild man like yeah. it's it sounds kind of funny but like when me and my homies all hang out at the crib um you know we'll be just chilling listening to good music and then like someone will just grab one and then they'll just start playing it and before you know it there's like two of my friends just like laying on the floor with their eyes closed mm -hmm. and then someone else grabs one and before you know it they're like in a different fucking dimension just from the <laughs> sound bowls and they're just like and they come back to like holy shit and i'm like you want to go again and i'm like all right well if i can peace out again and they just like womp and they disappear and they come back and it's like so it's just, cool. it's that's dope so cool fun. i'm dude. getting one of those dude. yeah yeah me too yeah yeah they're really cool I, i'm you guys definitely got to come down uh to the house sometime in texas we'd love to have all of you and i can i could show you what's up with the crib and stuff like that we got the we can do the whole thing the breath work the cold plunge all of it It'd be really yeah. fun the microdosing. Mm -hmm. be a good time heck yeah and then so like how can people do the breath work at home 
So I, I created a really awesome program. I have a program that is literally what I put you guys through today. It's mm-hmm. not a loop. It's fully guided. I breathe with you. I count you down, all that kind of stuff. It's a 55-minute program. Um, and they could just contact me and purchase it through me directly. Find me on uh, my email or uh, my Instagram, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And actually, this week that I'm in L.A., I'm actually recording a uh, another program, another 55-minute one, but also a 30-minute one for people that don't have enough time, and then also a 10-minute one. Nice. That'll be really cool, that ones that are like, yeah, so I'll have a d- few different um, lengths of choice for people because sometimes it's short on time and we just need like the, a quick moment you know, on a lunch break or some shit. You know, we're dealing with a shitty boss or something. So, um, yeah, so that's I'm um, hopefully to get a few more programs uh, out this next week or so. But I have one that's really good. It's it's really profound. It's really awesome stuff. And uh, everybody can really benefit from quieting the mind and mm-hmm. tapping in. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for taking yeah. time away from your life and what you have going on there in Texas and coming and seeing us. Appreciate it. Man, I, I couldn't wait to come on, to be honest. like, And that's another thing I've been, it sounds woo-woo again, I've been asking for the universe for, for people to like, be able to see me and what I'm doing because it does come from a really good place. I really do want to help as many people as possible um, just be their best version, their best selves. And um, I really think this is a great way for people to lock into this kind of stuff. So I've been like trying to get the universe to have me be seen a little bit more just so I can help more people. So I really appreciate you having me on here and, and let me like really talk about the stuff that's truly important to me. Take us on out of here, Andrew. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Please drop us a comment down below on, um, I mean, we gave you a lot of stuff to talk about today. So <laughs> you, you got plenty of options. I want to hear everything you guys have to say. What? Tell me everything that's on your mind. And uh, make sure you guys like today's video and subscribe. If you guys are not subscribed, turn on all those bell notifications. And um, so that way you guys don't miss anything. Please follow the podcast at MB Power Project on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. My Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter is at I am Andrew Z and Seema. If people want to yell at you, where can they do that? Comment down below, actually, what Andrew said. But if you're in the Discord, go on the uh, episode discussion channel. Let us know what you guys were thinking, because this was a really cool one. This was a really Fantastic. cool one. Seema ending on Instagram and YouTube. Add Seema Yinning on TikTok and Twitter. Justin, where can they find you? Uh, probably IG is probably the best way. Justin D. Lovato. Uh, and then uh, my email, justin.my2cents, M-Y-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S, at gmail.com. I got to make myself do some of that breathing tomorrow. I'll give you the program. You're going to love it. It's fucking, I'm telling you, it, it is life changing when you get quiet every day. I loved it. It got weird a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was get, like, did I get knocked out? I was so pumped Again? watching. I was so pumped watching you guys because I, I was like, oh, I, I was like, do they have too many monsters today or something? I was like, I wonder if they were like just too, like, <laughs> you just finished working out too. And I had that thought too because I've done breath work after I worked out and it, it's a little tough. You mm-hmm. thought we were going to like get up and be like, that was bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I wasn't too, I didn't think that too much because I know you and I know your style and I love how you are like, you are actually interested and, and you really wanted to like, like see what it was all about and I felt that so I wasn't too worried about that I just wanted you to have the like the most fulfilling experience mm-hmm. so I had some things but then I, even then I would told myself I'm like get rid of that thought bro like <laughs> let's fucking get these guys to take the fuck off I'm like I'm gonna get these guys to take off and so that's where I went in with it and you guys took off so it was really dope yeah yeah take off we did because I gotta <laughs> do that shit again awesome yeah. awesome yeah